This is Jerry Hicks, and this is the book, Ask and It Is Given, The Teachings of Abraham by Esther and Jerry Hicks. We are Abraham. We are extremely pleased that you have decided to become the creator, the deliberate creator of your own experience. We've prepared a book for you, and Jerry is going to read it for you onto a recording to make it even easier for you to hear it and receive it and become it. And it is our desire that as you listen here, you return to your natural state of well-being. You are powerful beings, and life is supposed to be good for you. And it is our expectation that as you gently listen and gradually receive and mostly remember what you are about to hear here, that you will again return to the powerful creative genius that you really are. Be easy about it. Don't make work of it. Just listen gently. Feel the resonance of your being with the words you are about to hear. Relax and enjoy your reawakening into the powerful, conscious, deliberate creator that is you. There is great love here for you. We will leave you to Jerry. Hi, this is Jerry Hicks, and I'd like to read to you here the foreword written by Dr. Wayne Dyer for this book, Ask and It Is Given. The book you're holding in your hands at this moment contains some of the most powerful teachings available to you on our planet today. I've been profoundly touched and influenced by the messages that Abraham offers here in this book and through the tapes that Esther and Jerry have been providing over the past 18 years. In fact, I'm deeply honored that Abraham has asked me to provide a brief foreword to this book, which I consider to be a publishing milestone. It's unique in all of publishing. You'll be fortunate to tap into the thinking of those who are permanently connected to source energy. Moreover, these voices of spirit speak in a language you'll understand and be able to instantly translate into action. They offer you no less than a blueprint for understanding and implementing your own destiny. My first thought is that if you're not yet ready to read and apply this great wisdom, then I urge you to simply carry this book with you for a few weeks. Allow the energy that it contains to permeate through any resistance that your body, mind might offer, and let it resonate with that inner place that's formless and boundaryless. This is what's called your soul. Abraham would call it your vibrational connection to your source. This is a universe of vibration. As Einstein once observed, nothing happens until something moves. That is, everything vibrates to a particular measurable frequency. Break the solid world down to smaller and tinier components, and you see that what appears to be solid is a dance, a dance of particles in empty spaces. Go to the tiniest of these quantum particles, and you discover that it emanated from a source that vibrates so fast that it defies the world of beginnings and endings. This highest, fastest energy is called source energy. You and everyone and everything originated in this vibration and then moved into the world of things, bodies, minds, and egos. It was in the leaving of this source energy in our body, minds, that we took on our entire world of problems, illnesses, scarcities, and fears. The teachings of Abraham essentially are focused on helping you to return in all respects to that source from which all things originate and all return to as well. This source energy has a look and feel to it that I've touched upon in my book, The Power of Intention. 
Abraham, however, can offer this enlightening wisdom to you by having the benefit of being 100% connected to that source and never ever doubting that connection. It's evident in every paragraph of this book. That's why I call this a publishing milestone. You're in direct conscious contact with a cadre of honest, no-nonsense beings who have only your well-being in mind. They'll remind you that you came from a source of well-being and that you can either summon that higher vibrational energy to yourself and allow it to flow unimpeded in every aspect of your life, or you can resist it and, by doing so, stay disconnected from that which is all-providing and all-loving. The message here is quite startling and yet oh so simple. You came from a source of love and well-being. When you're matched up to that energy of peace and love, you then regain the power of your source, that being the power to manifest your desires, to summon well-being, to attract abundance where scarcity previously resided, and to access divine guidance in the form of the right people and the precisely correct circumstances. This is what your source does, and since you emanated from that source, you can and will do the same. I've spent a full day with Abraham in person. I've dined with Esther and Jerry, and I've listened to hundreds of Abraham's recordings. So you can take it from me firsthand. You're about to embark on a life-changing journey offered to you by two of the most authentic and spiritually pure people I've ever encountered. Jerry and Esther Hicks are as much in awe of their role in bringing these teachings to you as I am in writing this forward for Abraham. I encourage you to read these words carefully and apply them instantly. They summarize an observation I've offered for many years now. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. You're about to see and experience a whole new world changing right before your eyes. This is the world created by a source energy that wants you to reconnect to it and live a life of joyful well-being. Thank you, Abraham, for allowing me to say a few words in this precious, precious book. I love you, all of you. Wayne. Hi, this is Jerry Hicks. Sunlight is beginning to spill across the Malibu coastline as I begin this preface, and the deep indigo tint of the Pacific Ocean at this time of the morning seems to match the depth of pleasure I'm feeling as I'm imagining the value you're about to receive from the revelations within this book. Ask and it is given is certainly a book about our asking being answered by all that is, but it's primarily about how whatever we're asking for is being given to us. And it's also the first book to ever, in such clear terminology, give us the simple practical formula for how to ask for and then how to receive whatever we want to be, do, or have. Decades ago, while searching for plausible answers to my never-ending quest to know what it was all about, I discovered the word ineffable, meaning incapable of being expressed in words. Ineffable coincided with the conclusion I had formed relative to it. I had decided that the closer we get to knowing the non-physical, the fewer words we have for clearly expressing it. And so, any state of complete knowing would also, therefore, be a state of ineffability. In other words, at this point in our time-space reality, the non-physical cannot be clearly expressed with physical words. Throughout our physical history, we've evolved to, through, and into billions of philosophies, religions, opinions, and beliefs, Yet, with the billions upon billions of thinkers thinking, concluding, and passing their beliefs on to the next generations, we have not, at least not in any words we can agree on, found physical words to express the non-physical. Recorded history has retained some form of documentation of but a few of the many beings who have consciously communicated with non-physical intelligence. Some were revered, while some were damned by others. 
Most, however, who have been conscious of personal communication with the non-physical, perhaps in fear of being damned or even being institutionalized, have decided to go and tell no one about their revelations. Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, Joan of Arc, Joseph Smith, to name but a few of those better known to the English-speaking world, were each outspoken recipients of non-physical intelligence, most of whom met with quite untimely and horrible physical ends. And so, although each of us is directly receiving some form of non-physical guidance, only a few receive blocks of non-physical thought that are clear enough to be translated into our physical words. And of those few, fewer still are willing to disclose their experience to others. I remind you of this information as a preface to what you're about to read, for my wife, Esther, is one of those rare persons who can, at will, relax her conscious mind enough to allow the reception of non-physical answers to whatever is asked. Somehow, Esther receives blocks of thought, not words, and just as a Spanish-English translator would hear a thought projected into Spanish words and then translate the thought, not the actual words, back into English words, Esther instantly translates the non-physical thought into its closest physical English word equivalent. Please note that since there aren't always physical English words to perfectly express the non-physical thought that Esther receives, she sometimes forms new combinations of words, as well as using standard words in new ways, for example, capitalizing them when normally they would not be, in order to express new ways of looking at light. And for that reason, we've created a brief glossary at the back of this book in order to clarify our uncommon usage of some common words. In other words, there's the common term well-being, meaning the state of being happy, healthy, or prosperous. But the basis of Abraham's uncommon philosophy is translated into English as well-being. It's about the broader, universal, non-physical well-being that flows naturally to all of us unless we do something to pinch it off. Also, within the text, we will initially put into quotation marks any coined words that you wouldn't find in any dictionary, but whose meanings are obvious, such as overwhelmment or endedness. Since 1986, Esther and I have traveled to about 50 cities a year presenting workshops, and any of the attendees can discuss or post questions on whatever subject they want to talk about. No subjects are off limits. People have come by the thousands, from different ethnic groups, from different walks of life, from different philosophical backgrounds, all wanting to improve life in some way, either directly for themselves or indirectly by assisting others. And to those thousands who have asked for more, the answers have been given through Esther Hicks from non-physical intelligence. And so, in response to the asking by those like you who want to know more, this philosophy of well-being has evolved into the creation of this book. At the heart of these teachings is the most powerful law of the universe, the law of attraction. Over the past decade, we've published much of Abraham's teachings in our quarterly journal, it's called The Science of Deliberate Creation, which has highlighted the newest perspectives gleaned from questions posed by the attendees of our Art of Allowing workshops. As such, this philosophy is continually evolving as more of you bring to our attention your newest questions and perspectives. This book offers you a hands-on course in spiritual practicality. It's a how-to book in the broadest sense of the term, that is, how to be, do, or have anything that pleases you. This book also teaches you how not to be, do, or have anything that displeases you. An Introduction to Abraham by Esther Hicks She speaks with spirits, our friend said. She'll be here next week and you can make an appointment with her and ask anything you like. That's about the last thing on this earth I would want to do, I thought. But at the same time, I heard my husband Jerry saying, We really would like to make an appointment. How do we go about doing that? That was in 1984. And in the four years that we'd been married, we'd never had an argument or even exchanged crosswords. 
We were two joyous people living happily ever after with each other and compatible on nearly every subject that came up. The only discomfort I ever felt was when Jerry would entertain friends with one of his stories from 20 years earlier relating his experiences with the Ouija board. If we were at a restaurant or some other public place, when I sensed one of those stories coming on, I would politely, or sometimes not so politely, excuse myself and retreat to the ladies' room or sit in the bar or take a walk to the car until I believed that sufficient time had passed and that the account would be over. Happily, Jerry eventually stopped telling those stories when I was around. I wasn't what you would call a religious girl, but I attended enough Sunday school classes to develop a very strong fear of evil and the devil. Thinking back, I'm not really sure if our Sunday school teachers had actually devoted a greater proportion of our classes to teaching us to fear the devil, or if that's simply what stood out in my mind, but that is, for the most part, what I remember from those years. So, as I'd been taught, I carefully avoided anything that could possibly have any connection to the devil. One time, when I was a young woman, I was sitting in a drive-in theater, and I happened to look out the back window of the car at the other movie screen, and I saw a horrible scene from The Exorcist, a movie that I'd purposely avoided seeing. And what I saw without hearing the sound affected me so strongly that I had nightmares for weeks. Her name is Sheila, our friend told Jerry. I'll make the appointment for you and let you know. Jerry spent the next few days writing down his questions. He said he had some he'd saved up since he was a small child. I didn't make a list. Instead, I struggled with the idea of going at all. As we pulled into the driveway of a beautiful house in the heart of Phoenix, Arizona, I remember thinking, what am I getting myself into? We walked up to the front door, and a very nice woman greeted us and showed us into a lovely living room where we could wait for our scheduled appointment. The house was large, simply but beautifully furnished, and very quiet. I remember feeling a sort of reverence, like being in a church. Then a big door opened, and two pretty women dressed in fresh, brightly colored cotton blouses and skirts entered the room. Apparently, we were the first appointment after lunch. Both women looked happy and refreshed, and I felt myself relax a little bit. Maybe this wasn't going to be so weird after all. Soon, we were invited into a lovely bedroom where three chairs were situated near the foot of the bed. Sheila was sitting on the edge of the bed, and her assistant sat on one of the chairs with a small tape recorder on the table beside her. Jerry and I sat in the other two chairs, and I braced myself for whatever was about to happen. The assistant explained that Sheila was going to relax and release her consciousness, and then Theo, a non-physical entity, would address us. When that happened, we'd be free to talk about anything we desired. Sheila lay across the end of the bed, only a few feet from where we were seated, and breathed deeply. Soon, an unusual-sounding voice abruptly said, It is the beginning, is it not? You have questions? I looked at Jerry, hoping that he was ready to start, because I knew I was not ready to talk with whoever was now speaking to us. Jerry leaned forward. He was eager to ask his first questions. I relaxed as Theo's words slowly came out of Sheila's mouth. And while I knew that it was Sheila's voice we were hearing, I somehow also knew that something far different from Sheila was the source of these marvelous answers. Jerry said he'd been saving his questions up since he was five years old, and he asked them as rapidly as he could. Our 30 minutes passed so quickly, but during that time, somehow, without my speaking a word, my fear of this strange experience lifted, and I was filled with a feeling of well-being that surpassed anything that I'd ever felt before. Once back inside our car, I told Jerry, I'd really like to come back tomorrow. There are some things I would now like to ask. Jerry was delighted to make another appointment because he had more questions on his list as well. About halfway through our allotted time on the following day, Jerry reluctantly relinquished the remaining minutes to me, and I asked Theo, how can we more effectively achieve our goals? The answer came back, meditation and affirmations. The idea of meditation didn't appeal to me at all, 
and I wasn't aware of anyone who practiced it. In fact, when I thought of the word, it brought to mind people lying on beds of nails or walking on hot coals or standing on one foot for years or begging for donations at the airport. So I asked, what do you mean by meditation? The answer was short, and the words felt good as I heard them. Sit in a quiet room, wear comfortable clothing, and focus on your breathing. As your mind wanders, and it will, release the thought and focus upon your breathing. It would be good for you to do it together. It will be more powerful. Could you give us an affirmation that would be of value for us to use, we ask? I, and then say your name, see and draw to me, through divine love, those beings who seek enlightenment through my process. The sharing will elevate us both now. As the words flowed from Sheila, or Theo, I felt them penetrate to the core of my being. A feeling of love flowed to me and through me like nothing I'd ever felt before. My fear was gone. Jerry and I both felt wonderful. Should we bring my daughter Tracy to meet you, I ask? If it is her asking, but it is not necessary, for you too are channels. That statement made no sense to me at all. I couldn't believe that I could be this old and not already know something like that, if it were true. The tape recorder clicked off, and we both felt mild disappointment that our extraordinary experience was finished. Sheila's assistant asked us if we had one last question. Would you like to know the name of your spiritual guide, she asked. I'd have never asked that, for I'd never heard the term spiritual guide, but it sounded like a good question. I liked the idea of guardian angels, so I said, Yes, please. Could you tell me the name of my spiritual guide? Theo said, we are told it will be given to you directly. You will have a clairaudient experience, and you will know. What is a clairaudient experience, I wondered. But before I could ask my question, Theo said with a tone of finality, God's love unto you. And Sheila opened her eyes and sat up. Our extraordinary conversation with Theo had ended. After Jerry and I left the house, we drove to a lookout point on the side of one of the Phoenix Mountains and leaned against the car, staring off into the distance, watching the sunset. We had no idea of the transformation that had taken place within us that day. We only knew that we felt wonderful. When we returned home, I had two powerful new intentions. I was going to meditate, whatever in the world that meant, and I was going to find out the name of my spiritual guide. So we changed into our robes, closed the curtains in the living room, and sat in two large wing-back chairs with an etagere between us. We'd been encouraged to do this together, but it felt odd, and the etagere helped to mask the strangeness for some reason. I remembered Theo's instructions, sit in a quiet room, wear comfortable clothing, and focus on your breathing. So we set a timer for 15 minutes, and I closed my eyes and began to breathe consciously. In my mind, I asked the question, who is my spiritual guide? And then I counted my breath, in and out, in and out. Right away, my entire body felt numb. I couldn't distinguish my nose from my toes. It was a strange but comforting sensation, and I enjoyed it. It felt as if my body was slowly spinning, even though I knew I was sitting in a chair. The timer rang and startled us, and I said, let's do it again. Once more, I closed my eyes and counted my breaths and felt numb from head to toe. Again, the timer rang and startled us. Let's do it again, I said. So we set the timer for another 15 minutes, and again, I felt numbness overtake my entire body. But this time, something or someone began to breathe my body. From my vantage point, it felt like rapturous love, moving from deep inside my body outward. What a glorious sensation. Jerry heard my soft sounds of pleasure and later said that to him, I appeared to be writhing in ecstasy. 
When the timer went off and I came out of the meditation, my teeth chattered like never before. Buzzed would be a better word for the experience. For nearly an hour, my teeth buzzed as I tried to relax back into my normal state of awareness. At that time, I didn't realize what had happened, but I know now that I had experienced my first contact with Abraham. While I didn't know what had happened, I did know that whatever it was, it was good, and I wanted it to happen again. So Jerry and I made the decision to meditate every day for 15 minutes. I don't think we missed a day in the next nine months. I felt the numbness or the feeling of detachment each time, but nothing else extraordinary happened during our meditations. And then right before Thanksgiving of 1985, while meditating, my head began to move gently from side to side. For the next few days during meditation, my head would move in that gentle flowing motion. It was a lovely sensation that sort of felt like flying. And then, on about the third day of this new movement, during meditation, I realized that my head was not randomly moving about, but it was as if my nose was spelling letters in the air. M-N-O-P is what I realized it was. Jerry, I shouted, I'm spelling letters with my nose. And with those words, the rapturous feelings returned. Goosebumps covered my body from head to toe as this non-physical energy rippled through my body. Jerry quickly took out his notebook and began writing down the letters as my nose wrote them in the air. I am Abraham. I am your spiritual guide. Abraham has since explained to us that there are many gathered there with them. They refer to themselves in the plural because they are a collective consciousness. They've explained that in the beginning the words I am Abraham were spoken through me only because my expectation for my spiritual guide was singular, but that there are many there with them, speaking in a sense of the word with one voice or a consensus of thought. To quote Abraham, Abraham is not a singular consciousness as you feel that you are in your singular bodies. Abraham is a collective consciousness. There is a non-physical stream of consciousness, and as one of you asks a question, there are many, many points of consciousness that are funneling through what feels to be one perspective, because there is, in this case, one human, Esther, who is interpreting or articulating it. So it appears singular to you. We are multidimensional and multifaceted, and certainly multi-consciousness. Abraham has since explained that they are not whispering words into my ears, which I am then repeating for others, but instead, they're offering blocks of thoughts, like radio signals, which I'm receiving at some unconscious level. I then translate those blocks of thought into the physical word equivalent. I hear the words as they're spoken through me, but during the translation process itself, I have no awareness of what is coming, or time for recollection of what has already come. Abraham explained that they had been offering these blocks of thought to me for quite some time, but I was so strictly trying to follow Theo's instructions, which said, when your mind wanders and it will release the thoughts and focus on your breathing, that whenever one of these thoughts would begin, I would release it as quickly as possible and focus back upon my breathing. I guess the only way they could get through to me was to spell letters in the air with my nose. Abraham says that those wonderful sensations that rippled through my body when I realized that I was spelling words was the joy that they felt upon my recognition of our conscious connection. Our communication process evolved rapidly over the next few weeks. The spelling of letters in the air with my nose was a very slow process, but Jerry was so excited about this clear and viable source of information that he would often wake me up in the middle of the night to ask Abraham questions. But then, one night, I felt a very strong sensation moving through my arms, hands, and fingers, and my hand began thumping on Jerry's chest as we lay in bed together watching television. 
As my hand continued to thump, I felt a very strong impulse to go to my IBM Selectric typewriter, and as I put my fingers on the keyboards, my hands began moving quickly up and down the keys as if someone was quickly discovering what this typewriter was all about and where the specific letters were placed. And then my hands began to type, every letter, every number, again and again, and then the words began to take form on the paper. I am Abraham. I am your spiritual guide. I am here to work with you. I love you. We will write a book together. We discovered that I could put my hands on the keyboard and then relax, much in the same way that I did during meditation, and that Abraham would then answer questions about anything that Jerry would ask. It was an amazing experience. They were so intelligent, so loving, and so available. Any time, day or night, they were there to talk to us about anything that we wanted to discuss. Then one afternoon, while driving on a Phoenix freeway, I felt a sensation in my mouth, chin, and neck, similar to the familiar feeling of getting ready to yawn. It was a very strong impulse, so strong I couldn't stifle it. We were rounding a corner between two big trucks, and both of them seemed to be crossing the line into our lane at the same time, and I thought for a moment that they were going to drive right over the top of us. And in that very moment, the first words that Abraham spoke through my mouth burst out, Take the next exit. We exited the freeway and parked in the lot underneath an overpass, and Jerry and Abraham visited for hours. My eyes were closed tightly. My head moved up and down rhythmically as Abraham answered Jerry's stream of questions. How is it that this wonderful thing has happened to me? At times, as I think about it, I can hardly believe that it's true. It seems like the kind of thing that fairy tales are made of, almost like making a wish as you rub the magic lantern. At other times, it seems like the most natural, logical experience in the world. Sometimes I can barely remember what life was like before Abraham came into our lives. I have, with few exceptions, always been what most would call a happy person. I had a wonderful childhood with no major traumas, and along with two sisters, I was born to kind and loving parents. As I mentioned, Jerry and I had been blissfully married for about four years, and I was, in every sense, living happily ever after. I would not have described myself as someone filled with unanswered questions. In fact, I really wasn't asking many questions at all, and I hadn't formulated any strong opinions about much of anything. Jerry, on the other hand, was filled with passionate questions. He was a voracious reader, always looking for tools and techniques that he could pass along to others to help them live more joyous lives. To this day, I've never known anyone who wants more to help others live successful lives. Abraham has explained that the reason why Jerry and I are the perfect combination for doing this work together is because Jerry's powerful desire summoned Abraham, while my absence of opinions or angst made me a good receiver for the information that Jerry was summoning. Jerry was so enthusiastic, even in his first interactions with Abraham, because he understood the depth of their wisdom and the clarity of their offering. And throughout all these years, his enthusiasm for Abraham's message hasn't waned in the least. No one in the room ever enjoys what Abraham has to say more than Jerry. In the beginning of our interactions with Abraham, we didn't really understand what was happening, and we had no real way of knowing who Jerry was talking with. But it was still thrilling and amazing and wonderful and weird. It seemed so strange that I was certain that most people I knew wouldn't understand. They probably wouldn't even want to understand. And as a result, I made Jerry promise that he would tell no one about our amazing secret. I guess it's now obvious that Jerry didn't keep that promise, but I'm not sorry about that. There's nothing that either of us would rather do than be in a room filled with people who have things they'd like to discuss with Abraham. What we hear most often from people who meet Abraham through our books, videos, audio series, workshops, or website is, Thank you for helping me remember what I've somehow always known. And, 
This has helped me to tie together all the pieces of truth that I've found along the way. This has helped me to make sense of everything. Abraham doesn't seem interested in forecasting our future as a fortune teller might, although I believe they always know what our future holds. But instead, they're teachers who guide us from wherever we are to wherever we want to be. They've explained to us that it's not their work to decide what we should want, but it is their work to assist us in achieving whatever we desire. In Abraham's words, Abraham is not about guiding anyone toward or away from anything. We want you to make all of your decisions about your desires. Our only desire for you is that you discover the way to achieve your desires. My favorite thing that I've ever heard spoken about Abraham came to us from a teenage boy who had just listened to a recording in which Abraham was addressing some questions that teens had been asking. The boy said, At first, I didn't believe that Esther was really speaking for Abraham. But when I heard the tape and heard Abraham's answers to these questions, I then knew that Abraham was real, because there was no judgment. I don't believe that any person could be so wise, so fair, and without judgment. For me, this journey with Abraham has been more wonderful than I can find words to explain. I adore this sense of well-being that I've achieved from what I've learned from them. I love how their gentle guidance always leaves me feeling a sense of self-empowerment. I love seeing the lives of so many of our dear friends and new friends improving through the application of what Abraham has taught them. I love having these brilliant and loving beings pop into my head whenever I ask, always ready and willing to assist in our understanding of something. As an aside, several years after our meeting with Sheila and Theo, Jerry looked up the name Theo in our dictionary. The meaning of Theo, he joyously announced to me, is God. How perfect that is. I smile as I reflect back on that wonderful day, which was such an extraordinary turning point for us. There I was, worried about interacting with evil, when I was, in fact, on my way to having a conversation with God. In the early days of our work with Abraham, our audiences wanted us to explain our relationship with Abraham. How did your meeting occur? How do you maintain your relationship? Why did they choose you? What's it like to be the speaker of such profound wisdom? So Jerry and I would spend a few minutes at the beginning of every speaking engagement or radio or television interview, trying our best to satisfy those questions. But I always felt impatient with that part of our presentation. I just wanted to relax and allow Abraham's consciousness to begin flowing and to get on with what Jerry and I felt was the true reason we were standing there to begin with. Eventually, we created a free Introduction to Abraham recording that people could listen to at their leisure, which explains the details of how our Abraham experience began and evolved. We've now posted that 74-minute introduction as a free download at www.abraham-hicks.com, our interactive website, to explain who we are and what we were doing before meeting Abraham. We both very much enjoy our part in the process of getting Abraham's message into a format that can be heard and utilized by others. But to us, Abraham's message has always felt like the main event. This morning, Abraham said to me, Esther, we are aware of the questions that are radiating from the mass consciousness of your planet, and here, through you, we will joyously offer the answers. Relax and enjoy the delicious unfolding of this book. So I'm going to relax here and allow Abraham to immediately begin writing this book to you. I imagine that they will explain to you from their perspective who they are, but more important, I believe that they will help you to come to understand who you are. It is my desire that your meeting with Abraham will be as meaningful for you as it continues to be for us. I love you. This is Esther. This is part one. 
It's entitled, The Things That We Know That You May Have Forgotten, Which Are Important For You To Remember. Chapter 1. The Power Of Feeling Good Now. We are called Abraham, and we are speaking to you from the non-physical dimension. Of course, you must understand that you also have come forth from the non-physical dimension, so we're not so different from one another. Your physical world has come forth from the projection of the non-physical. In fact, you and your physical world are extensions of the non-physical source energy. In this non-physical realm, we do not use words, for we do not require language. We also do not have tongues with which to speak or ears with which to hear, although we do communicate perfectly with one another. Our non-physical language is one of vibration, and our non-physical communities or families are those of intention. In other words, we radiate that which we are, vibrationally, and others of like intent assemble. That's also true of your physical world, although most of you have forgotten that this is so. Abraham is a family of non-physical beings, naturally assembled by our powerful intention to remind you, our physical extensions, of the laws of the universe that govern all things. It is our intention to help you remember that you are extensions of source energy, that you are blessed, loved beings, and that you have come forth into this physical time-space reality to joyously create. All who are physically focused have non-physical counterparts. There's no exception to that. All who are physically focused have access to the broader perspective of that which is non-physical. There's no exception to that. But most physical beings have become so distracted by the physical nature of your planet that you have developed strong patterns of resistance that thwart your clear connection to your own source. It is our intention to help those who are asking to remember that connection. While all physical humans have access to the clear communication from the non-physical, most are not consciously aware of it, and often, even when you are aware that it is possible, you hold habits of thought that act as resistance, hindering your ability to consciously interact. However, on occasion, a clear channel of communication opens and we are able to convey our understanding vibrationally to someone who can clearly receive it and translate it. And that is what is happening here through Esther. We offer our knowing vibrationally in a way that is similar to what you understand as radio signals, and Esther receives those vibrations and translates them into the physical word equivalent. There are not, however, adequate physical words to convey our satisfaction and joy in being able to offer our knowing to you in this way at this time. It's our powerful desire that you be pleased with where you are right now, in this moment, no matter where you are. We understand how strange these words must sound to you if you're standing in a place that seems far from where you want to be. But it is our absolute promise to you that when you understand the power of feeling good now, no matter what, you will hold the key to the achievement of any state of being, any state of health, any state of wealth, any state of anything that you desire. These pages are specifically written to give you a better understanding of yourself and of everyone else around you. And you may find some of that helpful. But words really do not teach. Your true knowledge comes from your own life experience. And while you will be a constant gatherer of experience and knowledge, your life is not only about that. It's about fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy. Your life is about the continuing expression of who you truly are. You only hear what you are ready to hear. We're talking to you at many levels of your awareness all at the same time. But you will only receive whatever you're now ready to receive. Everyone will not get the same thing from this book, but every reading of this book will net you something more. This is a book that will be read many times by those who understand its power. It is a book that will help physical beings understand their relationship to God and to all that they really are. This is a book that will help you understand who you really are, who you have been, where you are going, 
and all that you continue to be. This book will help you understand that you never, ever get it done. It will help you understand your relationship with your history and with your future. But most important, it will awaken within you your awareness of the potency of your powerful now. You will learn how you are the creator of your own experience and why all of your power is in your now. And ultimately, this book will lead you to an understanding of your emotional guidance system and to an understanding of your vibrational set point. Here, you will find a series of processes that will assist you in reconnecting with a non-physical part of yourself, processes that will assist you in achieving anything you desire. And as you apply these processes, and as your memory awakens to the powerful laws of the universe, your naturally joyful zest for life will return. Chapter 2 We are keeping our promise to you. We are reminding you of who you are. Do you know what you want? Do you know that you are the creator of your own experience? Are you enjoying the evolution of your desire? Do you feel the freshness of a new desire pulsing within you? If you are among the rare humans who answered, yes, I'm enjoying the evolution of my desire, I feel wonderful as I stand in this place where many things that I desire have not yet come to me, then you understand who you are and what this physical life experience is really all about. But if you are, as most humans are, feeling unhappy about your unfulfilled desires, if you have a desire for more money but you find yourself in a continual state of shortage, if you're not satisfied with your job situation but you feel stuck and cannot see any way of improving it, if your relationships are not satisfying, or if the dream relationship that you've desired for as long as you can remember continues to be just out of reach, if your body does not feel or look the way you would like, then there are some very important and rather easy to understand things that we would like to convey to you here. We want to give you this information because we want you to find your way to all things that you desire. But that is really only a small part of our reason, for we understand that even when you have achieved everything on your current list of things that you desire, there will be another list, even longer and more expansive, to take its place. So this book is not being written to assist you in getting everything you want checked off your list, for we understand the impossible nature of that endeavor. We write this book to reawaken within you your memory of the power and inevitable success that pulses through the core of that which you really are. We write this book to assist you in returning you to your place of optimism, positive expectation, and expanding joy, and to remind you that there is nothing that you cannot be, do, or have. We write this book because we promised you we would, and now, as you hold this book in your hands, you are completing a promise you made as well. You said, I will live in joy. You said, I will go forth into the physical time-space reality among other beings, and I will assume an identity with a clear and specific perspective. I will learn to see myself from that point of view, and I will enjoy being seen as that point of view. You said, I will observe what surrounds me, and my response to what I observe will cause my own valuable personal preferences to be born. You said, I will know the value of my preferences. I will know the value of my perspective. And then you said... And this is the most important part of all. I will always feel the power and value of my own personal perspective. For the non-physical energy that creates worlds will flow through my decisions, my intentions, and my every thought for the creation of that which I set into motion from my perspective. You knew then, before your physical birth, that you were source energy, specifically focused in this physical body. And you knew that the physical person you would become could never be separated from that which you came from. You understood then your eternal connection to that source energy. 
You said, I will love pouring myself into this physical body, into physical time-space reality, for that environment will cause me to focus the powerful energy that is me into something more specific. And in the specifics of that focus, there will be powerful motion forward and joy. We know who you are. So, you came forth into this wonderful body, remembering the joyous, powerful nature that is you, knowing that you would always remember the splendor of the source from which you came, and knowing that you could never lose your connection to that source. So now, here we are, helping you remember that no matter how you may feel right now, you cannot lose your connection to that source. We are here to help you remember the powerful nature that is you, and to assist you in returning to that confident, joyful, always looking for something else wonderful to turn your attention to person that is you. Since we know who you are, we will easily help you remember who you are. Since we are where you came from, we will easily remind you of where you have come from. Since we know what you desire, we will easily guide you to help yourself to that which you desire. There is nothing that you cannot be, do, or have. We want you to remember that there is nothing that you cannot be, do, or have. And we want to assist you in achieving that. But we love where you are right now, even if you do not, because we understand how joyful the journey from where you are to where you want to go will be. We want to help you leave behind any perceptions you have picked up along your physical trail that are thwarting your joy and power. And we want to help you reactivate the powerful knowing that pulses within the very core of that which you are. So, relax and enjoy this easy-paced journey to rediscovering who you really are. It's our desire that by the time you reach the end of this book, you will know yourself as we know you, and that you will love yourself as we love you, and that you will be enjoying your life as we are enjoying your life. Chapter 3. You Do Create Your Own Reality Not so very long ago, our friends Jerry and Esther were introduced to this phrase, you are the creator of your own reality. They had discovered the Seth books by Jane Roberts. For them, it was both an exciting prospect and a troubling one, for, like so many of our physical friends, they did desire creative control of their own experience, but they were plagued with some basic questions. Is it really all right for us to choose the reality that we create? And if it is appropriate for us to do so, how do we go about doing it? The basis of your life is absolute freedom. You were born with an innate knowledge that you do create your own reality, and in fact, that knowledge is so basic within you that when someone attempts to thwart your own creation, you feel an immediate discord within yourself. You were born knowing that you are the creator of your own reality, and although that desire to do so pulsed within you in a powerful way, when you begin to integrate into your society, you begin to accept much of the same picture that others held of the way your life should unfold. But still, within you today lives the knowledge that you are the creator of your own life experience, that absolute freedom exists as the basis of your true experience, and that ultimately the creation of your life experience is absolutely and only up to you. You've never enjoyed someone else telling you what to do. You've never enjoyed being dissuaded from your own powerful impulses, but over time, with enough pressure from those who surrounded you who seemed convinced that their practiced way was more valid than your way, and therefore ultimately better, you gradually began to release your determination to guide your own life. You often found it easier just to adapt to their ideas of what was best for you rather than trying to figure it out for yourself. But in all of this adapting to your society's attempts to make you fit in, and in your own attempt to find less trouble, you have unwittingly relinquished your most basic foundation, your total and absolute freedom to create. You've not given up this freedom easily, however, and in fact you can never truly release it, for it exists as the most basic tenet of your very being, 
Still, in your attempt to release it for the sake of getting along, or in your hopeless resignation that you have no other choice than to give up your powerful right to choose, you have gone crossways to your natural current and contrary to your very soul. No one else can create in your experience. This book is about your realignment with source energy. It is about your reawakening to the clarity, goodness, and power that is really who you are. It's written to assist you in consciously returning to the knowledge that you are free and that you always have been free and that you always will be free to make your own choices. There is no satisfaction in allowing someone else to attempt to create your reality. In fact, it is not possible for anyone else to create your reality. Once you have realigned with the eternal forces and universal laws and with that which is truly the source of that which you are, then joyous creation beyond physical description awaits you, for you are the creator of your own experience, and there is such satisfaction in intentionally guiding your own life. You are eternal beings in physical form. You are eternal beings who have chosen to participate in this specific physical life experience for many wonderful reasons. And this time-space reality on planet Earth serves as a platform in which you are able to focus your perspective for the purpose of specific creation. You are eternal consciousness, currently in this wonderful physical body for the thrill and exhilaration of specific focus and creation. The physical being that you define as you stands on the leading edge of thought, while consciousness, which is really your source, pours through you. And in those moments of inexpressible elation, those are the times when you're wide open and truly allowing your source to express through you. Sometimes you're fully allowing the true nature of your being to flow through you, and sometimes you do not allow it to flow. This book is written to help you understand that you have the ability to always allow your true nature to pour through you, and that as you learn to consciously allow your full connection with the you that is your source, your experience will be one of absolute joy. By consciously choosing the direction of your thought, you can be in constant connection with source energy, with God, with joy, and with all that you consider to be good. Absolute well-being is the basis of your universe. Well-being is the basis of this universe. Well-being is the basis of all that is. It flows to you and through you. You have only to allow it. Like the air you breathe, you have only to open, relax, and draw it into your being. This book is about consciously allowing your natural connection to the stream of well-being. It's about remembering who you really are so you can get on with the creation of your life experience in the way you intended before you came forth into this physical body and into this magnificent leading-edge experience where you fully intended to express your freedom in endless, joyous, co-creative ways. Can you understand how much well-being is flowing to you? Do you understand how much orchestration of circumstances and events on your behalf is available to you? Do you understand how adored you are? Do you understand how the creation of this planet, the creation of this universe fits together for the perfection of your experience? Do you understand how beloved you are, how blessed you are, how adored you are, and what an integral part of this creative process you are? We want you to. We want you to begin to understand the blessed nature of your being. And we want you to begin to look for the evidence of it, because we're showing it to you in every moment that you will allow yourselves to see it, in the lining up of lovers, money, fulfilling experiences, and beautiful things for you to see, in the lining up of circumstances and events, and in the lining up of amazing co-creative experiences where you're rendezvousing with one another for no other reason than for the fantastically important reason of fulfilling, satisfying, and pleasing yourself, and giving yourself joy in the moment. Your motion forward is inevitable. It must be. You cannot help but move forward. 
But you're not here on a quest to move forward. You're here to experience outrageous joy. That is why you're here. This is the end of CD1. Chapter 4. How can I get there from here? Perhaps the question we most often hear from our physical friends is, why is it taking me so long to get what I want? It's not because you don't want it enough. It is not because you're not intelligent enough. It is not because you're not worthy enough. It's not because fate is against you. It's not because someone else has already won your prize. The reason you have not already gotten what you desire is because you're holding yourself in a vibrational holding pattern that does not match the vibration of your desire. That's the only reason ever. And an important thing for you to now understand is that if you will stop and think about it, or more important, stop and feel about it, you can identify your very discord. So now, the only thing you need to do is gently and gradually, piece by piece, release your resistant thoughts which are the only disallowing factors involved. Your increasing relief will be the indicator that you are releasing resistance, just as your feelings of increased tension, anger, frustration, and so on, have been your indicators that you've been adding to your resistance. Well-being is lined up outside your door. We want to remind you of the basic premise that must be understood before any of this will make sense to you. Well-being flows. Well-being wants you. Well-being is lined up outside your door. Everything you have ever desired, whether spoken or unspoken, has been transmitted by you vibrationally. It's been heard and understood by source and has been answered. And now you're going to feel your way into allowing yourself to receive it, one feeling at a time. You are a physical extension of source energy. You are an extension of source energy. You're standing on the leading edge of thought. Your time-space reality was set into motion through the power of thought long before it was manifested into the physical form in which you see it now. Everything in your physical environment was created from non-physical perspective by that which you call source. And just as source created your world and you through the power of focused thought, you are continuing to create your world from your leading-edge place in this time-space reality. You and that which you call source are the same. You cannot be separated from source. Source is never separated from you. When we think of you, we think of source. When we think of source, we think of you. Source never offers a thought that causes a separation from you. You cannot offer a thought that would cause a total separation. Separation is actually far too strong a word. But you can offer thoughts that are different enough in vibrational nature to hinder your natural connection with source. We refer to that condition as resistance. The only form of resistance or hindrance of your connection to that which is source is offered by you from your physical perspective. Source is always fully available to you and well-being is constantly extended to you. And often you are in the state of allowing this well-being, but sometimes you are not. We want to assist you in consciously allowing your connection more of the time to source. As extensions of non-physical energy, you're taking thought beyond that which it has been before, and through contrast, you will come to conclusions or decisions. And once you align with your desire, the non-physical energy that creates worlds will flow through you, which means enthusiasm, passion, and triumph. That is your destiny. From the non-physical, you created you, and now from the physical, you continue to create. We all must have objects of attention, desires that are ringing our bells in order to feel the fullness of who we are flowing through us for the continuation of all that is. That desire is what puts the eternalness in eternity.
the evolutionary value of your personal preferences. Do not underestimate the value of your preferences, for the evolution of your planet depends upon those of you on the leading edge of thought continuing to fine-tune your desires. And the contrast or variety in which you are standing provides the perfect environment for the formation of your personal preferences. As you're standing in the midst of contrast, new desires are radiating constantly from you in the form of vibrational signals that are received and answered by Source, and in that moment, the universe is expanding. This book is not about the expanding universe or about Source answering your every request or about your worthiness, for all of that is a given. This book is about you putting yourself in a vibrational place of receiving all that you're asking for. The Science of Deliberate Creation We want to assist you in the deliberate realization of things that your environment has inspired within you, for we want you to experience the exhilaration of joyously, consciously creating your own reality. You do create your own reality, no one else does. And you create your own reality even if you do not understand that you do. For that reason, you often create by default. When you are consciously aware of your own thoughts, and you are deliberately offering them, then you are the deliberate creator of your own reality. And that is what you intended when you made the decision to come forth into this body. Your desires and beliefs are just thoughts. Ask, and it is given. You ask through your attention, through your wanting, through your desire. That is the asking. Whether you desire it to happen, or you desire it not to happen, you are asking. You do not have to use your words. You just have to feel it in your being. I desire this. I adore this. I appreciate this, and so on. That desire is the beginning of all attraction. You never grow tired of expansion or of creation, for there is no ending to the new ideas of desires that flow. With every new idea of something you would like to experience, possess, or know will come its actualization or manifestation. And with that manifestation will also come a new perspective from which you will desire. The contrast or variety never ends, so the sprouting forth of new desires will never end. And as that asking never ends, the answering never ceases to flow. And so, new perspectives will always be yours. New contrasts and new inspiring desires and perspectives will be laid out eternally before you. Once you relax into the idea that you will never cease to be, that new desires will constantly be born within you, that Source will never stop answering your desires, and that your expansion is, therefore, eternal, then you may begin to relax if in this moment there is something that you desire that has not yet come to fruition. It is our desire that you become one who is happy with that which you are and with that which you have, while at the same time being eager for more. That's the optimal creative vantage point, to stand on the brink of what is coming, feeling eager, optimistic anticipation, with no feeling of impatience, doubt, or unworthiness hindering the receiving of it. That is the science of deliberate creation at its best. Chapter 5 This simple basis of understanding makes it all fit together. There's a current that runs through everything. It exists throughout the universe, and it exists throughout all that is. It is the basis of the universe, and it is the basis of your physical world. Some are aware of this energy, but most humans are unaware of it. However, everyone is affected by it. As you begin to understand the basis of your world, and you begin to look for, or better said, feel for, your awareness of this source energy that is the basis of all things, you will then understand everything about your own experience. You will also more clearly understand the experiences of those around you. A consistent formula gives you consistent results. 
Like learning to understand the basics of mathematics and then having the successful experience of understanding the results of their applications, you will now have a formula for understanding your world that will always be consistent and which will yield consistent results to you. They will be so consistent that you will be able to predict your future experience with absolute accuracy, and you will be able to understand your past experiences with a knowing that was unavailable to you before. You will never again feel like a victim in the past or future, cowering from the idea of unwanted things pouncing into your life experience. You will finally understand the absolute creative control that you have of your own life experience, and then you will be able to turn your attention to your own creative power, and you will experience the absolute bliss of watching all manner of things converging to assist you in the creation of your own specific desires. Everyone has this potential, and some are realizing it. It will be an extremely satisfying experience to identify your own personal desires, which will be rising from the contrasting life experiences that you are living, and to know that each of those desires can be fully realized. From that place of belief, from that place of understanding the basics that are always consistent, you will now shorten the time between the inception of your idea of desire and its full and absolute manifestation. You will come to know that all things you desire can come easily and swiftly into your experience. You are a vibrational being in a vibrational environment. You can feel whether you are allowing your full connection to source energy or not. In other words, the better you feel, the more you are allowing your connection. The worse you feel, the less you are allowing your connection. Feeling good equals allowing the connection. Feeling bad equals not allowing the connection. Feeling bad equals resisting the connection to your source. You are even in your physical expression of flesh, blood, and bone, a vibrational being. And everything you experience in your physical environment is vibrational. And it's only through your ability to translate vibration that you're able to understand your physical world at all. In other words, through your eyes, you translate vibration into that which you see. Using your ears, you translate vibration into the sounds that you hear. Even your nose, tongue, and fingertips are translating vibrations into the smells, tastes, and touches that help you understand your world. But your most sophisticated vibrational interpreters by far are your emotions. Your emotions as vibrational interpreters. By paying attention to the signals of your emotions, you can understand with absolute precision everything you are now living or have ever lived. And with a precision and ease that you may never have before experienced, you can use this new understanding of your emotions to orchestrate a future experience that will please you in every way. By paying attention to the way you feel, you can fulfill your reason for being here, and you can continue your intended expansion in the joyful way that you intended. By understanding your emotional connection to who you really are, you'll come to understand not only what's happening in your own world and why, but you'll also understand every other living being with whom you interact. Never again will you have unanswered questions about your world. You will understand from a very deep level, from your broader non-physical perspective, and through your own personal physical experience, everything about who you are, who you have been, and who you are becoming. Chapter 6, The Law of Attraction, the Most Powerful Law in the Universe. Every thought vibrates, every thought radiates a signal, and every thought attracts a matching signal back. We call that process the Law of Attraction. The Law of Attraction says, that which is likened to itself is drawn, 
And so, you might see the powerful law of attraction as a sort of universal manager that sees to it that all thoughts that match one another line up. You understand this principle when you turn on your radio and deliberately tune your receiver to match a signal from a broadcasting tower. You do not expect to hear music that's being broadcast on the radio frequency of 101 FM to be received on your tuner when it's set at 98.6 FM. You understand that radio vibrational frequencies must match, and the law of attraction agrees with you. So, as your experience causes you to launch vibrational rockets of desires, you must then find ways of holding yourself consistently in vibrational harmony with those desires in order to receive their manifestation. To what are you giving your attention? Whatever you're giving your attention to causes you to emit a vibration, and the vibrations that you offer equal your asking, which equals your point of attraction. If there's something you desire that you currently do not have, you need only to put your attention upon it, and by the law of attraction, it will come to you. For as you think about this thing or experience that you desire, you offer a vibration, and then, by law, that very thing or experience must come to you. However, if there's something that you desire that you currently do not have, and you put your attention upon your current state of not having it, then law of attraction will continue to match that not having it vibration. So you will continue to not have that which you desire. It is law. How can I know what I'm attracting? The key to bringing something into your experience that you desire is to achieve vibrational harmony with what you desire. And the easiest way for you to achieve vibrational harmony with it is to imagine having it. Pretend that it's already in your experience. Flow your thoughts toward the enjoyment of the experience, and as you practice those thoughts and begin to consistently offer that vibration, you will then be in the place of allowing that into your experience. Now, by paying attention to the way you feel, you can easily know if you're giving your attention to your desire or if you're giving your attention to the absence of your desire. When your thoughts are a vibrational match to your desire, you feel good. Your emotional range would be from contentment to expectation to eagerness to joy. But if you're giving your attention to the lack or absence of your desire, your emotions would range from feelings of pessimism to worry to discouragement to anger to insecurity to depression. And so, as you become consciously aware of your emotions, you will always know how you're doing with the allowing part of your creative process. And you will never again misunderstand why things are turning out the way they are. Your emotions provide a wonderful guidance system for you, and if you'll pay attention to them, you'll be able to guide yourself to anything that you desire. You get what you think about, whether you want it or not. By the powerful universal law of attraction, you draw to you the essence of whatever you are predominantly thinking about. So if you're predominantly thinking about the things that you desire, your life experience reflects those things. And in the same way, if you're predominantly thinking about what you do not want, your life experience reflects those things. Whatever you're thinking about is like planning a future event. When you're appreciating, you're planning. When you are worrying, you're planning. Worrying is using your imagination to create something you do not want. Every thought, every idea, every being, everything is vibrational. So when you focus your attention on something, even for a short period of time, the vibration of your being begins to reflect the vibration of that which you're giving your attention to. The more you think about it, the more you vibrate like it. The more you vibrate like it, the more of that which is like it is attracted to you. 
That trend and attraction will continue to increase until a different vibration is offered by you. And when a different vibration is offered, things that match that vibration are then drawn to you, by you. When you understand the law of attraction, you're never surprised by what occurs in your experience, for you understand that you have invited every bit of it in through your own thought process. Nothing can occur in your life experience without your invitation of it through your thought. Because there are no exceptions to the powerful law of attraction, a thorough understanding of it is easy to achieve. And once you understand that you get what you think about, and equally important, when you are aware of what you are thinking, then you are in the position to exercise absolute control of your own experience. How big are your vibrational differences? Here are some examples. There is a very big vibrational difference in your thoughts of appreciation of your mate and in your thoughts of what you would like to be different about your mate. And your relationship with your mate, without exception, reflects the preponderance of your thoughts. For while you may not have done it consciously, you have literally thought your relationship into being. Your desire for an improved financial condition cannot come to you if you often feel jealous of your neighbor's good fortune. For the vibration of your desire and the vibration of your jealous feelings are different vibrations. An understanding of your vibrational nature will make it possible for you to easily, deliberately create your own reality. And then, in time and with practice, you will discover that all desire that you hold can be easily realized, for there is nothing that you cannot be, do, or have. You are a summoner of vibrational energy. You are consciousness. You are energy. You are vibration. You are electricity. You are source energy. You are creator. You are on the leading edge of thought. You are the most specific, most active summoner and utilizer of the energy that creates worlds that exist anywhere in this always evolving, eternally becoming universe. You are creative genius expressing here in this leading edge time-space reality for the purpose of taking thought beyond that which it has ever been before. Even though it may seem odd to you at first, it will be helpful for you to begin to accept yourself as a vibrational being, for this is a vibrational universe in which you are living, and the laws that govern this universe are vibrationally based. Once you become consciously at one with the universal laws and gain an understanding of why things respond in the way they do, all mystery and confusion will be replaced by clarity and understanding. Doubt and fear will be replaced with knowledge and confidence. Uncertainty will be replaced with certainty. And joy will return as the basic premise of your experience. When your desires and beliefs are a vibrational match, that which is like unto itself is drawn. So the vibration of your being must match the vibration of your desire in order for your desire to be fully received by you. You cannot desire something, predominantly focus on the absence of it, and then expect to receive it because the vibrational frequency of its absence and the vibrational frequency of its presence are very different frequencies. Another way of saying that is, your desires and your beliefs must be a vibrational match in order for you to receive that which you desire. Here's a glimpse of the bigger picture. You are here having experiences that cause you, in your divinely specific perspective, to identify, consciously or unconsciously, your personal preferences. Now, as that happens, Source, who hears you and adores you, immediately answers your vibrational electronic request, whether you're able to put conscious verbal words to it or not. So, 
no matter what you ask for, whether you ask for it with your words or with just a subtle impression of your desire, your request is heard and answered every time, no exceptions. When you ask, it is always given. All that is, is benefiting from your existence. Because of your exposure to your specific experience, which causes your specific desire to be formulated within you, and because Source hears and answers your request, the universe in which we are all focused expands. What a wonderful thing. Your current time-space reality, your current culture, your current ways of looking at things, all of the things that make up your perspective have evolved over countless generations. In fact, it would not be possible to retrace all the desires, conclusions, and perspectives that have resulted in your unique point of view right here and now. But what we want very much for you to hear is that no matter what has caused your unique point of view to come about, it has come about. You do exist. You are thinking. You are perceiving, you are asking, and you are being answered. And all that is is benefiting from your existence and from your point of view. So your importance is not in question, not to us anyway. We completely understand your immense value. Your worthiness is not in question, not to us anyway. We know that you deserve to have the energy that creates worlds responding to your every desire. And we know that it does. But many of you, for many reasons, hold yourself apart from receiving the very things you're asking for. Rediscover the art of allowing your natural well-being. We want you to rediscover your innate ability to allow the well-being of this universe to flow steadily and unrestricted into your experience. And we call this discipline the art of allowing. It is the art of allowing the well-being, which makes up every particle of that which you are and that which you come from, to continue to flow through you as you continue to be. The art of allowing is the art of no longer resisting the well-being that you deserve, the well-being that is natural, the well-being that is your legacy, your source, and your very being. Now, there are no preliminary courses for you to study in preparation for understanding what is presented here. This book is written so that you can begin to receive value from right where you are. You are ready for this information right now, and this information is ready for you. Chapter 7 You are standing on the leading edge of thought. We like to refer to the place where you're standing as the leading edge of thought, for as you stand there in your physical body, in your physical environment, having your physical experience, you are the furthermost extension of that which we are. All that has ever been before is culminating into that which you now are. And just as all of your experience, from the time of your birth into your physical body until now, has culminated into who you now are, all that has ever been experienced by all that is has culminated into all that is now being experienced in the physical life experience on planet Earth. As every person on your planet is having experiences that are causing their desires to be born, a sort of mass summoning is occurring, which literally equals the evolution of your planet. And so the more you interact, the more your personal preferences are being identified and radiated, and the more of your preferences that are being radiated, the more are being answered. As such, a powerful stream of source energy is now stretched out before you from which your individual personal preferences will be received. In other words, because of what so many have lived and are living, and because of the summoning power of so many of their desires, the well-being of your future experience is well in place. And in like manner, your current desires will in turn provide an energy stream for future generations to benefit from. If you can desire it, the universe can produce it. 
If your involvement in your time-space reality inspires within you any sincere desire, then the universe has the means to supply the results that you seek. Because your ability to reach for more expands with each achievement that came before, the expansion may feel breathtaking to those just coming to understand the power of it. But it may feel absolutely normal to those who have already come to understand and expect well-being to flow constantly into their experience. The stream of well-being flows even if you do not understand that it does. But when you consciously become aligned with it, your creative endeavors become so much more satisfying, for then you discover that there is absolutely nothing that you desire that you cannot achieve. It works whether you understand it or not. It's not necessary that you fully understand the complexities of this eternally expanding environment in order to reap the benefits of that which it has become, but it is necessary that you find a way to go with the flow of the well-being that's stretched out before you. So in that effort, we offer these words. There is only a stream of well-being that flows. You can allow it or resist it, but it flows just the same. You would not walk into a brightly lit room and look for the dark switch. In other words, you would not expect to find a switch that would flood an inky darkness into the room to cover the brightness of the light. You would find a switch that would resist the light. For in the absence of the light, there is darkness. And in like manner, there is not a source of evil, but there could be a resisting of that which you believe is good, just as there is not a source of sickness, but there could be a resisting of the natural well-being. Without asking, you will receive no answer. Sometimes people will compliment Esther for being able to receive the wisdom of Abraham and for putting it into written or spoken word for others to experience and receive benefit from. And we also add our appreciation to that. But we also want to point out that Esther's receiving and translation of our vibration is only part of the equation. Without the asking that precedes it, there could be no answering. The people of your times are benefiting dramatically from the experiences of those generations that preceded you, for through the experiences that they lived and the desires that were generated within them, the summoning began. And today, you are the ones on the leading edge of reaping the benefits of what those past generations asked for. At the same time, you are continuing to ask, and you are now summoning, and on it goes. So, can you see how, if you can find a way to allow it, there's an avalanche of well-being at your fingertips, ripe for your plucking, provided you're in vibrational alignment with it? And can you not see why, since there's never a crowd on the leading edge, you're not going to have a lot of people you can talk to about this? These days, there are some people experiencing intense hardships or traumas, and because of how they're living right now, their asking is in a heightened and intense place. And because of the intensity of their request, Source is responding in kind. And although the person who's doing the asking is usually so involved in the trauma that they're not personally receiving the benefit of their own asking, future generations, or even current generations who are not right now disallowing, are receiving the benefit of that asking. We're giving this to you by way of helping you understand. There is an unlimited stream of well-being and an abundance of all manner of things available to you at all times, but you must be in alignment with the receiving of these things. You cannot stand in resistance of them and receive them at the same time. Open the floodgates and let your well-being flow in. See yourself right where you are now as the beneficiary of the powerful stream of well-being. Try to imagine that you're basking in the flow of this powerful stream. Make an effort to feel yourself as the leading-edge beneficiary of this unlimited stream and smile and try to accept that you are worthy of it.
Your ability to feel your worthiness of the powerful stream of well-being will undoubtedly depend on what is happening in your life right now. Under some conditions, you feel utterly blessed, and under others, you feel not so blessed, and it is our desire that as you read this book, you will come to understand that to the degree you feel blessed and expect good things to flow to you, this indicates the level of your state of allowing, and to the degree that you do not feel blessed, where you do not expect good things to come to you, this indicates your degree of resistance, and it is our desire that as you continue to read, you'll be able to feel the release of any habits of thought that have resulted in your disallowing of the stream. We want you to understand that if it were not for resistant thoughts you have picked up along your physical trail that are not in vibrational alignment with the stream of well-being, you would be, right now, a full receiver of that stream, for you are a literal extension of it. You and how you feel is all that is responsible for whether you let in your inheritance of well-being or not. And while those around you may influence you more or less to allow or not allow that stream, it is ultimately all up to you. You can open the floodgates and let in your well-being, or you can choose thoughts that keep you pinched off from what is yours. But whether you allow it or resist it, the stream is constantly flowing to you, never ending, never tiring, always there for your reconsideration. You are in the perfect position to get there from here. Nothing has to change in your environment or in the circumstances that surround you for you to begin to deliberately allow your own connection to the stream of well-being. You could be in prison, you could have been diagnosed with a terminal illness, you could be facing bankruptcy, or you could be in the middle of a divorce. Still, you're in the perfect place right now to begin. And we also want you to understand that this will not require a great deal of time, for it only requires a simple understanding of the universal laws and a determination to move toward a state of allowing. When you drive your vehicle from place to place, you have an awareness of your starting place as well as an awareness of where you're going. You accept that you cannot get there instantaneously. You accept that you will travel the distance and in time you will arrive at your destination. And while you may feel anxious to get there and maybe even tire of the journey, you do not get so discouraged at the midway mark that you just turn around and go back to your starting place. You do not drive back and forth and back and forth from your starting point to the midway point and then finally collapse from the never-ending journey. You do not announce your inability to accomplish your journey. You accept the distance between your starting place and where you desire to be, and you continue to move in the direction of your destination. You understand what is required, and you do it. And we want you to come to know that the journey between where you are and where you want to be on all subjects can be just as easily understood. Chapter 8. You are a vibrational transmitter and receiver. Now you're ready to understand the most essential part of controlling, creating, and enjoying your physical life experience. Even more than the material being that you have come to know as you, you are a vibrational being. When someone looks at you, they see you with their eyes and hear you with their ears, but you are presenting yourself to them and to the universe in a much more emphatic way than can be seen or heard. You are a vibrational transmitter, and you are broadcasting your signal in every moment of your existence. As you are focused in this physical body, and while you are awake, you are constantly projecting a very specific, easily identifiable signal that is instantly received, understood, and answered. Immediately, your present and future circumstances begin to change in response to the signal you're offering now. And so, the entire universe, right now, is affected by what you are offering. You are an eternal personality focusing in the now. Your world 
present and future, is directly and specifically affected by the signal that you are now transmitting. The personality that is you is really an eternal personality, but who you are right now and what you are thinking right now is causing a focusing of energy that is very powerful. This energy that you are focusing is the same energy that creates worlds, and it is, in this very moment, creating your world. You have a built-in, easy-to-understand guidance system within you with indicators that help you understand the strength or power of your signal as well as the direction of your focus. And most important, it is this very same guidance system that helps you understand the alignment of your chosen thought with the energy stream itself. Your feelings are the representatives of your guidance system. In other words, the way you feel is your true indicator of your alignment with your source and of your alignment with your own intentions, both pre-birth and currently. Your powerful beliefs were once gentle thoughts. Every thought that has ever been thought still exists, and whenever you focus upon a thought, you activate the vibration of that thought within you. So whatever you are currently giving your attention to is an activated thought, but when you turn your attention away from a thought, it becomes dormant or no longer active. The only way to consciously deactivate a thought is to activate another. In other words, the only way to deliberately withdraw your attention from one thought is to give your attention to another. When you give your attention to anything, the vibration at first is not very strong. But if you continue to think about it or speak about it, the vibration gets stronger. So with enough attention to any subject, it can become a dominant thought. As you give more and more attention to any thought, and as you focus upon it and therefore practice the vibration of it, the thought becomes an even bigger part of your vibration. And you could now call this practice thought a belief. The longer you think thoughts, the stronger they become. Because the law of attraction is behind the expansion of your thoughts, it is not possible to give your attention to something without achieving an alignment with it to some degree. And so the longer you ponder the thought, and the more frequently you return to the thought, the stronger your vibrational alignment becomes. As you achieve a stronger alignment with any thought, you then begin to feel emotions that indicate your increased or decreased alignment with your own source. In other words... As you give more of your attention to any subject, your emotional reading of either harmony or disharmony with who you really are becomes stronger. If the subject of your attention is in alignment with what the source of your being knows, you would feel the harmony of your thoughts in the form of good feelings. But if the subject of your attention is not in alignment with what your source knows it to be, you would feel the disharmony of your thoughts in the form of bad feelings. Your attention to it invites it in. Every thought that you give your attention to expands and becomes a bigger part of your vibrational mix. Whether it is a thought of something you want or a thought of something you do not want, your attention to it invites it into your experience. Since this is an attraction-based universe, there's no such thing as exclusion. Everything is about inclusion. So when you see something that you would like to experience and you focus upon it, shouting yes to it, you include it in your experience. But when you see something you would not want to experience, and you focus upon it, shouting no at it, you also include that in your experience. You do not invite it in with your yes and exclude it with your no, because there is no exclusion in this attraction-based universe. Your focus is the invitation. Your attention to it is the invitation. And so, those who are mostly observers thrive in good times, but suffer in bad times, because what they're observing is already vibrating, and as they observe it, they include it in their vibrational countenance, and as they include it, the universe accepts that as their point of attraction and gives them more of the essence of it. 
So for an observer, the better it gets, the better it gets, or the worse it gets, the worse it gets. However, one who is a visionary thrives in all times. With your practiced attention to any subject, the law of attraction delivers circumstances, conditions, experiences, other people, and all manner of things that match your habitual dominant vibration. And as things begin to manifest around you that match the thoughts you have been holding, you now develop stronger and stronger vibrational habits or proclivities. And so your once small and insignificant thought has now evolved into a powerful belief, and your powerful beliefs will always be played out in your experience. Chapter 9 The Hidden Value Behind Your Emotional Reactions your sense of sight is different from your sense of hearing, and your sense of smell is different from your sense of touch. But even though they're different, they're all vibrational interpretations. In other words, when you approach a hot stove, your sense of sight does not necessarily tell you that the stove is hot. Your sense of hearing and your sense of taste or smell are not usually the way you recognize a hot stove either. But as you approach the stove with your body, the sensors in your skin let you know that the stove is hot. You were born with sensitive, evolved, sophisticated translators of vibrations that help you understand and define your experience. And in the same way that you utilize your five physical senses to interpret your physical life experience, you were born with other sensors, your emotions, which are further vibrational interpreters that help you understand in the moment the experiences that you are living. Emotions are indicators of your point of attraction. Your emotions are your indicators of the vibrational content of your being in every moment. And so, when you become aware of the feeling of your emotions, you can also be aware of your vibrational offering. And once you combine your knowledge of the law of attraction with your in-this-moment awareness of what your vibrational offering is, then you will have full control of your own powerful point of attraction. With this knowledge, you can now guide your life experience in any way you choose. Your emotions simply purely and only, are about your relationship with your source. And since your emotions tell you everything that you would ever want or need to know about your relationship with your source, we often refer to your emotions as your emotional guidance system. When you made the decision to come forth into this physical body, you fully understood your eternal connection to source energy, and you knew that your emotions would be constant indicators that would let you know in every moment your current relationship with source energy. And so... Understanding the powerful guidance that you have eternal access to, you felt no sense of risk, no sense of confusion, only a sense of adventure and true exhilaration. Emotions are indicators of your alignment with source energy. Your emotions indicate the degree of your alignment with source. Although you can never achieve such a complete misalignment with source that you disconnect from it altogether, the thoughts that you choose to give your attention to do give you a substantial range in alignment or misalignment with the non-physical energy that is truly who you are. And so, with time and practice, you will come to know in every moment your degree of alignment with who you really are. For when you are in full allowance of the energy of your source, you thrive. And to the degree that you do not allow this alignment, you do not thrive. You are empowered beings. You are utterly free to create. And when you know that and are focused upon things that are in vibrational harmony with that, you feel absolute joy. But when you think thoughts that are contrary to that truth, you feel the opposite emotions of disempowerment and bondage. And all emotions fall somewhere within that range, from joy to disempowerment. Use your emotions to feel your way back to well-being. 
When you think a thought that rings true with who you really are, you feel harmony coursing through your physical body, joy, love, and a sense of freedom are examples of that alignment. And when you think thoughts that do not ring true with who you really are, you feel the disharmony in your physical body. Depression, fear, and feelings of bondage are examples of that misalignment. In the same way that sculptors mold clay into the creation that pleases them, you create by molding energy. You mold it through your power of focus by thinking about things, remembering things, and imagining things. You focus the energy when you speak, when you write, when you listen, when you're silent, when you remember, and when you imagine. You focus it through the projection of thought. Like the sculptors who, with time and practice, learn to mold the clay into the precise desired creation, you can learn to mold the energy that creates worlds through the focus of your own mind. And like the sculptors who, with their hands, feel their way as they recreate their vision, you will use your emotions to feel your way to well-being. Chapter 10. The Three Steps to Whatever You Want to Be, Do, or Have. The creative process is conceptually a simple one. It consists of just three steps. Step one, your work, you ask. Step two, not your work, the answer is given. Step three, your work, the answer, which has been given, must be received or allowed. You have to let it in. Step one, you ask. Because of the wonderful and diverse environment in which you are focused, step one comes easily and automatically, for this is how your natural preferences are born. Everything, from your subtle or even unconscious desires to clear, precise, vivid ones, results from the contrasting experiences of your day-to-day -day life. Desires, or asking, are the natural byproduct of your exposure to this environment of fantastic variety and contrast, and so step one comes naturally. Step two the universe answers. Step two is a simple step for you, for it's not your work at all. Step two is the work of the non-physical, the work of the God force. All things that you ask for, large and small, are immediately understood and fully offered without exception. Every point of consciousness has the right and the ability to ask, and all points of consciousness are honored and responded to immediately. When you ask, it is given every time. Your asking is sometimes spoken with your words, but more often it emanates from you vibrationally as a constant stream of personally honed preferences, each building on the next and each one respected and answered. Every question is answered, every desire is given, every prayer is answered, every wish is granted. But the reason that many would argue with that truth, holding up examples of unfulfilled desires from their own life experiences, is because they have not yet understood and completed the very important step three. For without the completion of this step, the existence of steps one and two could go unnoticed. Step three, you allow it in. Step three is the application of the art of allowing. It's really the reason your guidance system exists. It's the step whereby you tune the vibrational frequency of your being to match the vibrational frequency of your desire. In the same way that your radio tuner must be set to match the frequency of the broadcasting station you desire to hear, the vibrational frequency of your being must match the frequency of your desire. And we call that the art of allowing. That is, allowing what you're asking for. Unless you're in the receiving mode, your questions, even though they have been answered, will seem unanswered to you. Your prayers will not seem to be answered, and your desires will not be fulfilled. Not because your wishes have not been heard, but because your vibrations are not a match, so you are not letting them in. Every subject is two subjects. 
wanted and not wanted. Every subject is really two subjects. There is that which you desire and the lack of it. Often, even when you believe you're thinking about something that you desire, you're actually thinking about the exact opposite of what you desire. In other words, I want to be well, I don't want to be sick. Or, I want to have financial security, I don't want to experience a shortage of money. Or, I want the perfect relationship to come to me, I don't want to be alone. What you think and what you get is always a perfect vibrational match. So it can be very helpful to make a conscious correlation between what you're thinking and what is manifesting in your life experience. But it's even more helpful if you're able to discern where you're headed even before you get there. Once you understand your emotions and the important messages they're giving you, you'll not have to wait until something has manifested in your experience to understand what your vibrational offering has been. You can tell by the way you feel exactly where you're headed. Your attention must be on it, not on the lack of it. The creative process is occurring whether you are consciously aware of it or not. Because of the variety and contrast of your experience, continual new preferences are being born within you, and you are even without knowing it, broadcasting them as requests. And in the moment that you broadcast a preference, source energy receives your vibrational request and by the law of attraction offers immediate responses, which you must then align to vibrationally. The reason that you're not always aware that your desires have been answered is because there's often a time gap between your asking, step one, and your allowing, step three. Even though a clear desire has emanated from you as a result of the contrast you have considered, you, often, rather than giving your attention purely to the desire itself, focus back on the contrasting situation that gave birth to the desire. And in doing so, your vibration is more about the reason you have launched the desire than it is about the desire itself. For example, your automobile is getting older and is beginning to require frequent repairs. And as you begin to notice its fading beauty, you find yourself desiring a new car. And as you very much wanted that feeling of confidence that a dependable new car brings, a vibrational rocket of desire emanated from you, and Source received it fully and responded in kind immediately. But because you were not consciously aware of the laws of the universe and the three-step process of creation, that fresh, exhilarating feeling was short-lived for you. So, instead of immediately turning your attention toward your fresh new desire and continuing to ponder the idea of this delicious new vehicle, thus achieving vibrational harmony with your own new idea, you look back at the vehicle you currently own, pointing out reasons that you desire the new car. This old car no longer pleases me, you conclude, not realizing that in looking at the unpleasing car, you are tuning your vibration back to it and not forward to the new car you desire. I really need a new car, you explain, pointing out the dents, the cracks, and the undependable performance of the old one. With each statement of need and justification for a new car, you unwittingly reinforce the vibration of your current unpleasant situation. And in doing so, you continue to hold yourself out of vibrational alignment with your new desire and out of the receiving mode of what you're asking for. As long as you are more aware of what you do not want regarding this situation, what you do want cannot come to you. In other words, if you are predominantly thinking about your beautiful new car, then it is steadily making its way to you. But if you are predominantly thinking about your undependable current car, your dependable new car cannot move towards you. 
It may seem difficult to make the distinction between actually thinking about your new car and beating the drum of the old car, but once you are aware of your emotional guidance system, this distinction will be very easy for you to make. Now you hold the key to creating your every desire. Once you understand that your thoughts equal your point of attraction and that the way you feel indicates your level of allowing or resisting, you now hold the key to creating anything that you desire. It is not possible for you to consistently feel positive emotion about something and have it turn out badly. Just as it is not possible for you to consistently feel bad about something and have it turn out well, for the way you feel will tell you if you're allowing your natural well-being or not. Although there is no source of sickness, you may offer thoughts that disallow the natural flow of your wellness, just as you may offer thoughts that disallow the natural flow of your abundance, although there is no source of poverty. Well-being is constantly making its way to you, and if you have not learned thoughts that slow it or restrict it, you are experiencing it in all areas of your life. It does not matter where you currently stand in relationship to anything you desire. By paying attention to the way you feel, and by directing your thoughts to better feeling thoughts, you can again achieve vibrational harmony with the well-being that is natural to you. Remember, as extensions of pure, positive, non-physical energy, the more in vibrational harmony you are with you, the better you feel. For example, when you're appreciating something, you are a vibrational match to who you really are. When you love someone or yourself, you are a vibrational match to who you really are. But if you're finding fault with yourself or another, you are in that moment offering a vibration that does not match who you really are. And the negative emotion you feel is your indicator that you have introduced a vibration of resistance and that you are no longer in the state of allowing your pure connection between the physical you and the non-physical part of you. We often refer to that non-physical part of you as your inner being or your source. It's not important what you call that source of energy or life force, but it is important that you are consciously aware of when you are allowing a full connection to it and when you are restricting it in some way. And your emotions are your constant indicators of your degree of allowing or resisting that connection. This is the end of CD number two. Chapter 11. With practice, you will become a joyous, deliberate creator. As you consciously consider the way you feel, you'll get better and better at directing the source energy, and you will become a disciplined and joyous, deliberate creator. With practice, you'll be able to achieve a focused control of this creative energy, and like the skilled sculptor, you'll take delight in the molding of this energy which creates worlds and direct it towards your individual creative endeavors. As you focus creative energy, there are two factors to consider. First, the intensity and speed of the energy, and second, your level of allowing or resisting it. The first factor has to do with the amount of time you've spent considering your desire and to what degree you have become specific. In other words, when you've been wanting something for a long time, your summoning power is much greater than if you're thinking about it for the first time today. Also, whenever you've considered it for some time, having experienced contrast that helped you to become even more specific about it, your desire summons it in an even more powerful way. Once a desire has achieved that sort of power or speed, it is quite easy for you to feel how you're doing with the second factor, the allowing or resisting part of the equation. When you're thinking about something that you've been wanting for a very long time, and in this moment you're noticing that it has not yet happened, 
a strong negative emotion would be present within you. But you're thinking about something that has very strong energy that you're not in vibrational alignment with. However, if you're thinking about something that you've been wanting for a long time and you are imagining that it is happening, then your emotion would be one of anticipation or eagerness. And so you can tell by the way you feel whether in this moment you're a match to your desire or a match to its absence, whether you are allowing or resisting your desire or whether you are in this moment helping or hindering. It is not about controlling thoughts. It is about guiding thoughts. In your highly technologically evolved society where you have immediate access to almost everything that's happening around your planet, you are bombarded with thoughts and ideas that at times feel invasive to your personal experience. And so the idea of controlling your thoughts when there are so many other thoughts coming forth seems impossible. It seems instead rather normal to just give your attention to whatever is in front of you. We're not encouraging you to make an effort to control your thoughts, but instead to make an effort to more or less guide your thoughts. And it is not even so much about guiding your thoughts as it is about reaching for a feeling. Because reaching for the way you would like to feel is an easier way to hold your thoughts in vibrational alignment with that which you believe is good. The law of attraction is already magnetically attracting and organizing your thoughts. So having an understanding of and deliberately working with the law of attraction is extremely helpful in an effort at guiding your own thoughts. Remember, whenever you give your attention to a thought, that thought immediately becomes activated within you. So the law of attraction immediately responds, which means that other thoughts in vibrational harmony with the thoughts you have just activated now join your activated thought, making it a more pronounced, more powerful, and more attractive thought. And as you continue your focus, and as your thought expands, that more powerful thought that you have just activated is joined by others like it, and on it goes. When your practice thought becomes a dominant thought. Whenever you have consistently focused upon a subject, causing a consistent vibrational activation of it within you, it becomes a practiced or dominant thought. And once that happens, things that match it will begin to manifest around your dominant thought. In the same way that your earlier thought was joined by other thoughts that matched it, now things that match your dominant thought will begin to show up in your experience. Magazine articles, conversations with friends, personal observations. The attraction process will become very apparent. Once your focused attention has sufficiently activated a dominant vibration within you, things, wanted or unwanted, will begin to make their way into your personal experience. It is law. How to effectively become a deliberate creator. Remember, before you can effectively benefit from paying attention to your emotions, you must first accept that well-being is the only stream that flows. You can allow or disallow this stream, but when you allow it, you are well. And when you disallow it, you are sick. In other words, there's only a stream of wellness which you are allowing or resisting, and you can tell by the way you feel which you are doing. You're supposed to thrive. You're supposed to feel good. You are good. You are loved, and well-being is constantly flowing to you. And if you will allow it, it will manifest in all manner of ways in your experience. Whatever you're giving your attention to is already pulsing an energy vibration, and as you hold your attention upon it, you begin to vibrate as it is vibrating. Each time you focus upon it, and each time you offer the vibration, it feels easier for you to do it the next time, until in time, you develop a sort of vibrational proclivity. It's like practicing anything. It can get easier and easier. And with enough focusing on this thought, 
and therefore practicing this vibration, you form what you call a belief. A belief is only a practiced vibration. In other words, once you've practiced a thought long enough, then any time you approach the subject of that thought, the law of attraction will take you easily into the full vibration of your belief. So now, the law of attraction accepts that belief as your point of attraction and brings to you things that match that vibration. And so, as you have life experience that matches those thoughts you were pondering, you conclude, yes, this is truth. And while it may be accurate to call it truth, we would prefer to call it attraction or creation. Anything that you give your attention to will become your truth. The law of attraction says that it must. Your life and everyone else's too is but a reflection of the predominance of your thoughts. There is no exception to this. Have you made a decision to direct your thoughts? To be the deliberate creator of your own experience, you will be one who has decided to direct your thoughts. For only when you deliberately choose the direction of your thoughts can you deliberately affect your own point of attraction. You cannot continue to discuss, observe, and believe things in the same way you always have and make changes in your point of attraction any more, as we mentioned previously, than you can set your radio dial to 6.30 a.m. and receive the broadcast from 101 FM. Your vibrational frequencies have to match. Every emotion that you feel is about your alignment or misalignment with the energy of your source. Your emotions are your indicators of the vibrational variance between your physical being and your inner being. And when you pay attention to those emotions and try to focus on good feeling thoughts, you are then using your emotional guidance system in the way that you intended when you decided to come into this physical body. Your emotional guidance system is the key to helping you understand what your vibrational content is and therefore exactly what your current point of attraction is. Distinguishing between the actual thought of what you want compared to the thought of its absence is sometimes difficult. But distinguishing between your emotional response to your thought of your desire and your emotional response to your thought of the absence of your desire is a very easy thing to do. Because when you are fully focused upon your desire and your vibrational offering purely reflects that, you feel wonderful. And when you focus upon the absence of something that you truly want, you feel awful. Your emotions always let you know what you're doing with your vibration. Your emotions always let you know exactly what your point of attraction is. And so, by paying attention to your emotions, and by deliberately offering thoughts that affect the way you feel, you can consciously guide yourself into the vibrational frequency that will allow the fulfillment of any desire that you hold. Can you accept yourself as a vibrational being? Most of our physical friends are unaccustomed to viewing their lives in terms of vibrations. And they're certainly not accustomed to thinking of themselves as radio transmitters and receivers. But you do live in a vibrational universe, and you are more energy, vibration, or electricity than you realize. Once you allow this new orientation and begin to accept yourself as a vibrational being who attracts all the things that come into your experience, then you'll begin the delicious journey into deliberate creation. Once you begin to understand the correlation between what you are thinking, what you are feeling, and what you are receiving, now you have it. Now you hold all the keys that are necessary to get from wherever you are to wherever you want to be on all subjects. Chapter 12 Your emotional set points are within your control. Most people do not believe they have control over what they believe. They observe things happening around them and evaluate them, but they usually feel they have no control whatsoever about the belief that's formulating within them. 
They spend their lives sorting events into categories of good or bad, wanted or unwanted, right or wrong, but rarely do they understand that they have the ability to control their personal relationship with these events. It is impossible to control conditions that others have created. Since many people approve of some of the conditions that others have created but disapprove of others, they set out on the impossible mission of trying to control conditions through personal force or strength or gathering together in groups to gain the feeling of more power or control. They seek to preserve their own well-being by attempting to take control of any circumstances that they believe could threaten it. But in this attraction-based universe where there is no such thing as exclusion, the harder they push against unwanted things, the more they achieve vibrational alignment with unwanted things. And in doing so, the more they invite unwanted things into their own experience. And as more unwanted things now manifest in their experience, they shore up their own belief. In other words, they prove it to themselves that they were right all along about how bad and invasive that unwanted thing was to begin with. In other words, the more you defend your own beliefs, the more the law of attraction helps you to live them out. But whose truth is the true truth? With enough attention to anything, the essence of what you've been giving thought to will eventually become a physical manifestation. And then, as others observe your physical manifestation through their attention to it, they help it to expand. And then in time, this manifestation, whether it is one that is wanted or not, is called truth. We want you to remember that you have absolute choices about the truths that you create in your own experience. Once you understand that the only reason anyone ever experiences anything is because of their attention to the subject, then it's easy to see that truth only exists because someone gave their attention to it. So when you say, I should give my attention to such and such because it's true, that's the same thing as saying another gave their attention to something that they did not want, and by their attention to it, they invited it into their experience, and since they have attracted something unwanted into their experience, I should do it also. There are many wonderful things that you're making your truths, and there are many not-so-wonderful things that you're making your truths. Deliberate creation is about deliberately choosing those experiences you make your truths. Your point of attraction is being affected. When your activated thoughts are general and not very focused, those early vibrations are still very small and do not yet have much attraction power or pulling power, so to speak. And so in these early stages, you will not likely see any manifested evidence of your attention to the subject. But even though you do not yet see the evidence, the attraction of other thoughts that are vibrational match to these is occurring. In other words, the thought is becoming stronger, its pulling power is getting stronger, and other similar thought vibrations are joining it. And as the thought gains momentum, you now begin to get an emotional reading on how well this growing thought vibration is matching the energy of your source. If it matches who you are, your good feeling emotions indicate that. If it does not match who you are, your bad feeling emotions indicate that. For example, when you were little, your grandmother may have said to you, you are such a wonderful child, I love you so very much, you will have a fulfilling and happy life. You have so many talents and the world will benefit by your presence. These words felt good because they were a vibrational match to what was at the very core of you. But when someone says to you, you are bad, you should be ashamed of yourself, you have displeased me, you are inappropriate, these words feel awful because your attention to them has caused you to become vibrationally different from who you really are and what you really know. 
The way you feel is a clear and accurate indication of your alignment or misalignment with your source energy. In other words, your emotions let you know if you're allowing or if you're in the current state of resistance to your connection with source. Moods as indicators of your emotional set points. When you continue to focus upon any thought, it becomes increasingly easy to continue to focus upon it because the law of attraction is making more thoughts like it available to you. And so, emotionally speaking, you're developing a mood or an attitude. Vibrationally speaking, you're achieving a habitual vibrational groove, so to speak, or a set point. Your mood is showing you a good representation of what you're inviting into your experience. Your mood or your general feeling about something is a clear indication of your practice vibration. In other words, whenever any subject is activated within you through your exposure to your environment, your vibration jumps immediately to your most practiced vibrational place or set point. For example, let's say that when you were a child, your parents experienced severe financial difficulty, and so the lack of money and the inability to purchase desired things was often discussed in your home with the accompanying emotions of worry and fear. Often, in response to your request for something, you were told that money doesn't grow on trees, and that just because you want it doesn't mean you'll get it, and that you, like everyone else in this family, should learn to do without. That's just the way it is. Because of years of exposure to these thoughts of lack, your habit of thought around the subject of money, your emotional set point, became one of low expectation of financial success. And so, whenever you thought about money or abundance, your mood or attitude would immediately shift to disappointment, worry, or anger. Or, when you were a child, maybe your friend's mother was killed in an automobile accident, and then your close association with someone who was experiencing such severe childhood trauma made you fearful for the well-being of your own parents. Whenever they traveled somewhere by automobile, you would be gripped by fear till they returned. And so, bit by bit, you developed a habit of worry about the well-being of those you loved. Your emotional set point became that of insecurity. Or, when you were a teenager, perhaps your grandmother suddenly died of a heart attack, and in the years that followed her death, you often heard your mother expressing her concern about the high probability of the same thing happening to her and her children, including you. Nearly every time any conversation about your grandmother came up, her untimely heart attack became an emotional and fear-producing part of the conversation. Even though your body was strong and you continued to feel physically good, a concern about your own physical vulnerability rumbled under the surface. And so, over time, you achieved an emotional set point of physical vulnerability. Your emotional set points can be changed. In the same way that your emotional set points can change from feeling basically good or secure to feeling bad or insecure, your set points can change from not feeling good to feeling good. For your set points are achieved simply by attention to a subject and through your practice thought. However, most people do not deliberately offer thought, but instead they let their thoughts gravitate to whatever is happening around them. Something happens, they observe, they have an emotional feeling response to what they're observing, and since they usually feel powerless in controlling what they're observing, they conclude that they have no control over their emotional response to what they're observing. We want you to understand that you do have absolute control over the set points that you achieve. And we want you to understand the extreme value in deliberately achieving your own set points. Because once you expect something, it will come. The details of it may play out differently, but the vibrational essence will always be an exact match. Chapter 13, Allow Your Feelings to Be Your Guide. 
Another important premise that is valuable to remember is that you are a physical extension of source energy and that an eternal stream of source energy flows to you and through you and that it is you. This stream flowed before the physical being that you know as you was born and it will continue to flow once the physical being that you know as you experiences what you call death. Every living thing, animal, human, or plant experiences that which is called death. There is no exception. Spirit which is who we really are, is eternal. So what death must be is but a changing of the perspective of that eternal spirit. If you're standing in your physical body and consciously connected to that spirit, then you are eternal in nature and you need never fear any endedness because from that perspective there is none. You will never cease to be for you are eternal consciousness. Your emotions let you know how much source energy you're summoning in this moment by virtue of the desire that you hold in this moment. They also let you know whether your preponderance of thought on the subject matches your desire or matches the absence of your desire. For example, a feeling of passion or enthusiasm indicates that there is a very strong desire focused in the moment. A feeling of rage or revenge also indicates that there's a very strong desire. However, a feeling of lethargy or boredom indicates very little focused desire in the moment. When you really, really want something and you're thinking about your desire and feeling pleasure from the thought, your thought vibration is now in alignment with your desire and the current from your source is flowing through you toward your intended desire with no restriction or resistance. We call that allowing. But when you really, really want something and are feeling anger or fear or disappointment, that means you're focused upon the opposite of your desire. And in doing so, you are introducing another non-matching vibration to the mix. And the degree of negative emotion that you are now experiencing indicates the degree of your resistance to your receiving of your desire. Learn to pay attention to your feelings. When emotions are strong, whether they feel good or feel bad, your desire is strong. When emotions are weak, your desire is not so strong. When emotions feel good, whether they are strong or weak, you are allowing the fulfillment of your desire. When emotions feel bad, whether they are strong or weak, you're in the state of disallowing the fulfillment of your desire. Your emotions are absolute indicators of your vibrational content. Therefore, they are the perfect reflection of your current point of attraction. They help you know, in any moment, whether or not you are currently allowing the fulfillment of your desire. You may believe that you cannot control your emotions, or you may believe that you should control your emotions, but we would like you to approach your emotions in a different way. It is our encouragement that you pay attention to how you feel and allow your emotions to be the valuable indicators that they are. An empty feeling is telling you something important. When the fuel gauge on your vehicle indicates that the tank is empty, you do not criticize the indicator. You receive the information that it has offered you and you do something about adding more fuel to your tank. Similarly, a negative feeling is an indicator that your current choice of thoughts has you offering a vibration that is so out of harmony with your source energy that you are currently disallowing your full connection to that energy stream. You could say that your tank is approaching empty. Your emotions do not create, but they do indicate what you're currently attracting. If your emotions are helping you know that your choice of thoughts is not taking you in the direction that you desire to go, then do something about that. Replenish your connection by choosing better feeling thoughts. Follow your bliss is a positive thought, is it not? As we've touched on previously, much has been written about the power of positive thought, and we're certainly proponents of that. 
No better guidance has ever been offered to our physical friends than the words, follow your bliss. For in this steady reaching for bliss, you must surely align with the energy of your source. And in that constant alignment, your well-being is certain. But when you find yourself engulfed in circumstances that cause you to offer a vibration that is far from that of bliss, then reaching for bliss is an impossible thing, for the law of attraction does not allow you to make that vibrational jump any more than you could have tuned your radio receiver to 101 FM and heard a song that was being played on 6.30 AM. You have the ability to direct your own thoughts. You have the ability to direct your own thoughts. You have the option of observing things as they are or of imagining them as you want them to be. And whichever option you choose, whether you are imagining or observing, is equally powerful. You have the option of remembering something as it actually occurred or imagining it as you would prefer. You have the option of remembering something that pleased you or remembering something that did not please you. You have the option of anticipating something you want or anticipating something you do not want. In every case, your thoughts produce a vibration within you that equals your point of attraction, and then circumstances and events line up to match the vibrations that you've offered. You have the ability to place your attention wherever you decide, so it's possible to distract yourself from something unwanted and put your attention upon something wanted. But when a vibration within you is one you've practiced a great deal, the tendency is to continue to offer the vibration in the way you've been practicing it, no matter how much you wish it to be different. It's not a difficult thing to change the pattern of your vibration, especially when you understand that you can do it a little bit at a time. Once you have an understanding of how vibrations work, how they affect your experience, and most important, what your emotions are telling you about your vibrations, now you can make steady, fast progress toward the achievement of anything that you desire. If we were standing in your physical shoes, it is not your job to make something happen. Universal forces are in place for all of that. Your work is to simply determine what you want. You cannot cease your constant list of preferences, so your life experience helps you determine at both conscious and unconscious levels what you prefer and how life, from your personal and important perspective, could now be better. And every conscious or unconscious offering or asking from you is answered by source. When you have lived an experience that helps you understand in an exaggerated way the very thing you do not want, you also understand, in an exaggerated way, what you do want. But when you are painfully aware of what you do not want, you're not in alignment with what you do want. When you desire something that you do not believe is possible, you're not in alignment. When there's something that you want and you're feeling unhappy that you do not have it, you are not in alignment. When you see someone who currently has the very thing that you desire and you feel jealous, you are not in alignment. If we were standing in your physical shoes, our attention would be upon bringing ourselves into alignment with the desires and preferences that we have launched. We would consciously feel our way into alignment. Your natural desires cannot be held back. All of your desires, wants, or preferences emanate from you naturally and constantly, for you stand at the leading edge of a universe that makes that so. So you cannot hold your desires back. The eternal nature of this universe insists that your desires come forth. This is the simple basis of this eternally expanding universe. Variety causes contemplation. Contemplation produces preference. Preference is asking. Asking is always answered. Regarding your creation of your own life experience, there's only one important question for you to ask. How can I bring myself into vibrational alignment with the desires that my experience has produced? And the answer is simple. 
pay attention to the way you feel and deliberately choose thoughts about everything that feel good to you when you think them. Chapter 14 Some Things You Knew Before You Arrived It's helpful to remember that you are creators who've come into this leading-edge time-space reality to experience the joy of directing source energy into the specifics of your physical life experience. As you made the decision to come into this body, you knew that you were a creator and that the earth environment would inspire your specific creation. You also knew that whenever you asked, it would be given, and you were thrilled at the prospect of being inspired to attain your own specific desires, understanding that source would flow through you to achieve the completion of those desires. And you also knew the following. You knew that by always reaching for the feeling of joy or well-being, you would always be moving toward that which you desire. And you knew that in the process of moving toward your desires, you would experience joy. You knew that in this earth plane environment, you would have sufficient leeway to mold your vibration into a pleasing position for the attraction of a wonderful life experience. And you knew that since well-being is the basis of this wonderful universe, you would have sufficient opportunity through a continual offering of thought to mold your own thoughts into pleasing life experiences. You knew that well-being abounds, so you felt no risk or concern about the contrasting environment into which you were moving, and you knew that variety would help you choose your specific life, and you knew that your work was to direct your thoughts, and that in doing so, your life would unfold. You knew that you are an eternal extension of source energy, and that the basis of that which you are is good, and that you would be able to easily allow the well-being of your origin and of your source to steadily flow through you. You knew that you could never get far from your source and that you could never completely pinch yourself off from it. You knew you would experience immediate emotions to help you understand the direction of your thought and that your emotions would instantly tell you if you were in any moment moving toward or away from what you desired. You knew that you would know by the way you were feeling, moment by moment, how much you were allowing your connection to your stream of well-being. And so you came forth into this earth experience with an eager anticipation of a wonderful life. And you also knew that there would not be an immediate manifestation of any thought, so that you would have ample opportunity to mold, evaluate, decide, and enjoy the creative process. We refer to that time between your offering of a thought and its physical manifestation as the buffer of time. This is that wonderful time of offering thought, noticing how it feels, adjusting the thought to achieve an even better feeling, and then, in an attitude of absolute expectation, enjoying the gentle, steady unfolding of anything and everything that you have concluded as your desires. If I know so much, how come I'm not successful? There's never a reason for you to be without something that you desire, nor is there ever a reason for you to experience something that you do not desire, for you hold absolute control of your experiences. Sometimes our physical friends disagree with that powerful statement, for they often find themselves without something that they desire or with something that they do not desire. And so they argue that they must not really be the creator of their own experience, for they would not have done that to themselves. If they were really in control, things would be different. We want you to know that you always hold the power and control of your own life experience. The only reason that you could ever experience something other than what you desire is because you are giving the majority of your attention to something other than what you desire. Can I really count on the law of attraction? The law of attraction always yields to you the essence of the balance of your thoughts. No exceptions. You get what you think about whether you want it or not. And in time, with practice, you'll come to remember that the law of attraction is always consistent. It never tricks you. 
It never deceives you. It never confuses you. For the law of attraction responds precisely to the vibration that you are offering. But the confusion, for many, comes because they are offering vibrations that they do not realize they are offering. They know that they hold a desire in a specific direction, and they know that their desire has not yet come to them, but what they often do not realize is that they are offering the majority of their thoughts in opposition to their own desire. Once you understand your own emotional guidance system, you will never again offer your vibrations in ignorance. And in time, you will achieve such keen awareness of your own valuable emotions that you will know in every moment if the thought that you are currently focusing on is taking you toward or away from something you desire. You will learn to literally feel your way to the things that you desire on all subjects. The basis of your world is one of well-being. You can allow it or not, but the basis is well-being. The law of attraction says that which is likened to itself is drawn. And so the essence of whatever you give your attention to is unfolding in your experience. Therefore, there is nothing that you cannot be, do, or have. This is law. But I can't get to San Diego from Phoenix. So if all of this is true, and it is our absolute promise to you that it is true, then how is it that so many are experiencing so much of what they do not want? Consider this question. If I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and it's my desire to be in San Diego, California, how would I go about getting to San Diego? The answer to this question is easy to hear. No matter what your mode of transportation, by air, by car, or even on foot, if you will face in the direction of San Diego and continue to move in the direction of San Diego, then you must reach San Diego. If you head toward San Diego, but then you lose your sense of direction and you head back toward Phoenix, and then you get turned back around again and you head toward San Diego, and then you get confused again and you head back toward Phoenix, you could potentially spend the rest of your life experience just moving back and forth, and you could conceivably never arrive in San Diego. But because of your knowledge of direction, and with the help of road signs and other travelers, it's not logical that you would remain forever lost in the Arizona desert, unable to find your way to San Diego. The 400-mile trip between the two cities is easily understood, and the idea of making the trip is completely believable. And if it were your desire to make the trip, you would find a way to do so. We want you to understand that the trip between wherever you are on any subject and where you desire to be is as easily attainable as the trip from Phoenix to San Diego once you understand how to discern where you are along the way. For example, the thing that makes it seem more difficult to travel from financial insolvency to financial abundance is that you've not been aware when you were turned around and headed in the opposite direction. And the only reason that your trip has not taken you from no relationship to the perfect, fulfilling, rewarding relationship you desire is that you've not been aware of the power of your thoughts and words that were taking you back to Phoenix. You clearly understand all the factors involved in transporting yourself from Phoenix to San Diego, but you have not understood the factors involved in transporting yourself from sickness into fabulous health, from the absence of the relationship you've wanted to the fulfillment of this wonderful relationship, or from barely scraping by financially to having the freedom to do the things you really want to do. Once you understand the clarity that your emotions provide, you'll never again not know what you're doing with your current thought. You will always be aware of whether you are, in this moment, moving toward or away from your intended goal or desire. Your awareness of the way you feel will give you the clarity you've been seeking, and you will never be lost in the desert again. Once you have the knowledge that you're moving in the direction of your desires, you may begin to relax a little bit and enjoy the fantastic journey. Chapter 16 
you are co-creating within a magnificently diverse universe. If you have the ability to imagine it or even to think about it, this universe has the ability and the resources to deliver it fully unto you. For this universe is like a well-stocked kitchen with every ingredient imaginable at your disposal. And within every particle of this universe is that which is wanted and the lack of it. This perspective of abundance and the lack of it is the environment in which focus is possible, and focus activates the law of attraction. If you do not have the ability to know what you do want, you will not have the ability to know what you do not want. And without the ability to know what you do not want, you could not know what you do want. And so, it is through your exposure to life experience that your natural preferences are born. In fact, these preferences are exuding from you in all moments of every day at many levels of your being. Even the cells of your well-tended-to body are having their own experience and are emanating their own preferences. And every preference is recognized by source and immediately answered, with no exceptions. Unwanted must be allowed for wanted to be received. Sometimes our physical friends express their desire for a less diverse universe. They long for a place where there are not so many unwanted things, a place where more things are exactly as they prefer them to be. And we always explain that you did not come forth into this physical experience wanting to take all of the experiences that exist and whittle them down to a handful of good ideas upon which all of you would agree, for that would lead to endedness, which cannot be. This is an expanding universe, and all things must be allowed. In other words, for you to understand and experience what you desire, you must understand that which you do not desire, for in order to be able to choose and focus, both must be present and understood. You did not come to fix a broken world. As non-physical source energy, expressing through your physical experience, your physical experience is truly the leading edge of thought. And as you're fine-tuning your creative experience, you're taking thought beyond that which it has ever been before. As you enthusiastically made the decision to come into this physical body and create in this way, you understood from your non-physical vantage point that this physical world was not broken and in need of repair, and you did not come forth to fix it. You saw this physical world as a creative environment in which you and everyone else could express yourselves creatively. You did not come forth to try to get others to stop doing what they're doing and do something else. You came forth understanding the value in the contrast and the balance in the variety. Every physical being on your planet is your partner in co-creation. And if you would accept that and appreciate the diversity of beliefs and desires, all of you would have more expansive, satisfying, and fulfilling experiences. Do not put those unwanted ingredients in your pie. Imagine yourself as a chef in an extremely well-stocked kitchen that contains every imaginable ingredient. Let's say that you have a clear idea of the culinary creation you desire, and you understand how to combine these easily accessible ingredients in order to fulfill your desire. And as you proceed, there are many ingredients that are not appropriate for your creation, so you do not utilize them, but you also feel no discomfort about their existence. You simply utilize the ingredients that will enhance your creation, and you leave the ingredients that are not appropriate for your creation out of your pie. Some of the ingredients in this well-stocked kitchen are harmonious with your creation, and some of them are not. But even though adding some of these ingredients to your creation would absolutely ruin your pie, you do not feel the need to push against those ingredients or to ban them from the kitchen because you understand that there is no reason for them to end up in your pie unless you put them in. And since you are clear about which ones enhance your creation and which ones do not enhance it, you feel no concern about the great variety of ingredients that exist. 
there's enough room for all diverse thoughts and experiences. From your non-physical perspective of the enormous variety of experiences, beliefs, and desires that exist among the people of your world, you felt no need to omit or control some of them. You understood that there is room enough in this expansive universe for all manner of thought and experience. You had every intention of being deliberate about your own creative control of your own life experience and your own creations, but you had no intentions of trying to control the creations of others. The variety did not frighten you, but instead inspired you, for you knew that you were each the creator of your own experience, and you understood that your exposure to the contrast would inspire specific directions within you, and that just because others may choose differently, it did not make you right and them wrong, or them right and you wrong. You understood the value of the diversity. Here's the process by which your universe expands. So, from the variety or contrast, your own preferences or desires are born. And in the moment that your preference begins to exist, it begins to draw to itself, through the law of attraction, the essence of that which matches it. And it then begins an immediate expansion. And as you pay attention to the way you feel and continue to choose good-feeling thoughts regarding your newly-born preference, you stay aligned with it, and now it gently and easily appears in your experience, and you have now created your desire. But, along with this newly achieved physical manifestation of your desire comes an evolved perspective. And so the vibrational characteristics of you and everything about you have shifted somewhat, and you have moved into a new set of contrasting circumstances that will again inspire new preferences within you, and now new rockets of desire emanate from you. And in the moment that this new desire exists, it too begins to vibrationally draw into itself, and it too expands. So now, as you continue to pay attention to the way you feel, and you choose good-feeling thoughts regarding this newly born preference, you remain vibrationally aligned with it. Therefore, it gently and easily appears in your experience. And again, you've created your desire. And again, you've achieved a powerful place of clarity where another new set of contrasting factors surround you, which again will cause a new rocket of desire to be born. This is how the universe expands, and this is why you are on the leading edge of the expansion. The valuable contrast continues to provide the birthing of endless new desires, and as each desire is born, source responds to the desire. It is a never-ending, always flowing, pure, positive energy expansion. You will never get there, so enjoy your journey. Once you consciously observe, from your own creative perspective, how each new achievement leads to another new desire, you will begin to personally understand your part in this expansive universe. And in time, you will come to remember that you never get it done because you never cease your awareness of the contrast out of which is always born a new idea or desire. The entire universe is established in that way. And as you begin to relax into the idea that you are an eternal being, that your desires will never cease to flow, and that any desire that is born has the power within it to attract, by law of attraction, all that is necessary for the expansion and fulfillment of itself, then you may remember the immense well-being upon which this universe is established, and you may then relax into the eternal nature of your own being. It is then that you will begin to enjoy your journey. If your goal is to finally, once and for all, achieve all that you desire, you'll find yourself unable to ever fulfill that goal, for the expanding nature of this universe defies that idea. You cannot ever get it done, because you cannot ever cease to be, and neither can you ever halt your awareness. Yet out of your awareness will always be born another asking, and each asking always summons another answering. Your eternal nature is one of expansion, and in that expansion is the potential for unspeakable joy.
feel the balance and perfection of your environment. So, the contrast causes new desire to be born within you. The new desire radiates from you, and as you offer the vibration of your new desire, that desire is answered every time. When you ask, it is given. Now, think about the perfection of this process. Continuing new ideas for the improvement of your experience emanate from you constantly and are answered constantly. Consider the perfection of this universal environment. Every point of consciousness is improving its state of being in just the same way as you, where every desire is understood and answered and every perspective is honored and responded to. Feel the balance and perfection of your environment. Every point of consciousness, even the consciousness of a cell in your body, can request an improved state of being and get it. Since every request is granted, there is no competition. Each point of view matters. Every request is granted, and as this amazing universe unerringly expands, there is no end to the universal resources that fulfill these requests, and there is no end to the answers to the never-ending stream of questions, and for that reason, there is no competition. It is not possible for someone else to receive the resources that were meant for you, and you cannot selfishly squander resources that were intended for someone else. All desires are answered. All requests are granted, and no one is left unanswered, unloved, or unfulfilled. When you stay aligned with your energy stream, you always win, and somebody else does not have to lose for you to win. There is always enough. Sometimes our physical friends have a difficult time remembering this truth because they may experience some shortage in their experience or observe it in the experience of another. But what they're witnessing is not an evidence of shortage or a lack of resources, but instead the disallowance of the receiving of the resources that have been requested and answered. Step one has occurred. The asking is in place. Step two has occurred. The answering is in place. But step three, the allowing has not occurred. If someone is not receiving what they're asking for, it's not because there's a shortage of resources. It can only be that the person holding the desire is out of alignment with their own request. There is no shortage. There is no lack. There is no competition for resources. There is only the allowing or the disallowing of that which you're asking for. Chapter 17 Where are you and where do you want to be? Have you seen the global positioning navigational systems that are available in vehicles today? An antenna on the roof of your vehicle sends a signal to satellites in the sky that identify your current location. Once you enter your desired destination into the keypad, the computer calculates the route between where you are and where you want to go. The monitor informs you of the distance that you have to travel and recommends the best route to get there, and once you begin, the system will give you, by spoken word or by text, specific directions to lead you to your new destination. The navigational system never asks, where have you been? It does not ask, why have you been there so long? Its only mission is to assist you in getting from where you are to where you want to be. Your emotions provide a similar guidance system for you, for their primary function is also to help you travel the distance from where you are to wherever you want to be. It's extremely important that you know where you are in relationship to where you want to be in order to effectively move closer to where you want to be. An understanding of both where you are and where you want to be is essential if you are to make any deliberate decisions about your journey. You are surrounded by many influences in your physical environment, and often others ask or insist that you behave differently in order to positively affect their experience. You're deluged with laws, 
rules and expectations that are imposed by others, and almost everyone seems to have an opinion about how you should behave. But it's not possible for you to stay on track between where you are and where you want to be if you're using those kinds of outside influences to guide you. Often you're pulled this way and that in an attempt to please another, only to discover that no matter how hard you try, you cannot consistently move in any pleasing direction. And so you not only do not please them, but you also do not please yourself. And because you're being pulled in so many different directions, your path to where you want to be usually gets lost in the process. Your greatest gift to give is your happiness. The greatest gift that you could ever give to another is your own happiness. For when you are in a state of joy, happiness, or appreciation, you are fully connected to the stream of pure, positive source energy that is truly who you are. And when you are in that state of connection, anything or anyone that you're holding as your object of attention benefits from your attention. No one else needs you to be or do things for them in order for them to be fulfilled, for all of them have the same access to the stream of well-being that you do. Often, others who do not understand that they have access to the stream suffer in their inability to hold themselves in a place of feeling good and ask you to behave in a way that they believe will make them feel better. But not only do they hold you in a place of discomfort as they try to make you responsible for their joy, they hold themselves in a place of bondage as well. For they cannot control the way any other behaves, and if that control is necessary for their happiness, then they truly are in trouble. Your happiness does not depend on what others do. Your happiness does not depend on what others do, but only upon your own vibrational balance. And the happiness of others does not depend on you, but only on their own vibrational balance. For the way anyone feels in any moment is only about their own mix of energies. The way you feel is simply, clearly, and always the indicator of the vibrational balance between your desires and your vibrational offering, which, from your vantage point, you have launched. There is nothing in all of the universe more important for anyone to understand than how the vibration they're offering is matching the vibrations of their desires. And the way you feel is your indicator of whether you're allowing your connection to source or not. Every good feeling, every positive creation, all your abundance, clarity, health, vitality, and well-being, and all the things that you consider to be good are dependent upon the way you're feeling right now and on the relationship that that feeling vibration has to the vibration of who you really are and what you really desire. Each thought moves you closer to or farther from San Diego. Just as it is easy for you to contemplate a successful trip from Phoenix to San Diego, it will be easy for you to contemplate a successful trip from financial insecurity to financial security, from sickness to wellness, from confusion to clarity. On your trip from Phoenix to San Diego, there will be no major unknowns, for you understand the distance between the two cities. You know where you are along the way, and you understand what moving in the wrong direction means to your success. Once you understand your own emotional guidance system, you'll never again be confused about where you are in relationship to where you want to be. Also, you will feel with each thought that you offer whether you are moving closer to or further from your desired outcome. If you are using any other influence as your source of guidance, you'll get lost and go off track for no others understand, as you do, the distance between where you are and where you want to be. But even though they cannot understand your desires purely, they will still continually add their desires to the mix. And so, only when you pay attention to the way you feel can you guide yourself steadily toward your own goals. Why does saying no to it mean saying yes to it? Your vibrational universe has the law of attraction as its basis. 
That means that your universe is about inclusion. When you give your attention to something that you desire and you say yes to it, you're including it in your vibration. But when you look at something you do not want and you say no to it, you are including it in your vibration. When you give no attention to it, you do not include it. But you cannot exclude anything that you're giving your attention to because your attention to it includes it in your vibration every time without exception. Chapter 18. You can gradually change your vibrational frequency. Just because you make the decision to find a different thought, it does not necessarily mean that you can go directly to that thought right now. For the law of attraction has something to say about the thoughts you have access to from where you are. Of course, there's no thought that you cannot eventually have, just as there's no place that you cannot eventually reach from wherever you are, but you cannot instantly jump to a thought that has a vibrational frequency very different from the thoughts you are usually thinking. Sometimes one of your friends, who is currently in a much better feeling place than you are, may encourage you to stop thinking so negatively and to choose more positive thoughts. But just because your friend is there in that better feeling place does not mean that your friend can bring you there. For the law of attraction will not allow you to find a vibrational frequency that is far from the frequency that you usually sustain. And even though you do want to feel better, you may not feel that you can find the joyful thought that your friend wants you to find. But we want you to understand that you can eventually find that thought and that once you have deliberately and gradually changed your vibrational frequency, you will be able to sustain that more positive position once you do achieve it. As you discover that you can always know the vibrational content of your being and can therefore always be aware of what your point of attraction is, you will then be in conscious creative control of your own experience. And once you understand that your emotions are giving you specific feedback about your vibrational content, then you can proceed with a deliberate and gradual adjustment of your vibration. Reach for the best feeling thought you have access to. Choosing a different thought will always produce a different emotional response. So you could say, I will deliberately choose my thoughts so that I can feel better. That would be a good decision for you to make. An even better decision, and really an easier one to make, is I want to feel good, so I'll try to feel good by choosing a thought that does feel good. If it's your decision to follow your bliss, and you've been focusing on a life situation that is nowhere near bliss, your decision to follow your bliss would be unsuccessful because the law of attraction cannot deliver a thought that holds such a dramatic vibrational difference. But if your decision is to reach for the best feeling thought you have access to, that decision can be easily achieved. The key to moving up the vibrational emotional scale is to be consciously aware of, even sensitive to, the way you feel. For if you're not aware of how you feel, you cannot understand which way you're moving on the scale. You could be turned around and on your way back to Phoenix and not know it. But if you take the time to consciously determine the emotion that you're currently experiencing, then any improvement in your feeling means that you're making progress towards your goal, while any intensifying of the negative emotion means that you're going in the wrong direction. So... A good way to feel your way up this vibrational emotional scale is to always be reaching for the feeling of relief that comes when you release a more resistant thought and replace it with a more allowing thought. The stream of well-being is always flowing through you, and the more you allow it, the better you feel. The more you resist it, the worse you feel. Chapter 19. Only you can know how you feel about you. When you expect something... It is on the way. When you believe something, it is on the way. When you fear something, it is on the way. Your attitude or mood is always pointing toward what is coming, but you're never stuck with your current point of attraction. Just because you've picked up these thoughts, beliefs, attitudes, and moods along your physical trail does not mean that you have to continue attracting in response to them. 
You have creative control of your own experience, and by paying attention to your own emotional guidance system, you can change your point of attraction. If there are things in your experience that you no longer wish to experience, your belief must change. If there are things that are not in your experience that you want to bring into your experience, your belief must change. There is no condition so severe that you cannot reverse it by choosing different thoughts. However, choosing different thoughts requires focus and practice. If you continue to focus as you have been, to think as you have been, and to believe as you have been, then nothing in your experience will change. Life is always in motion, so you cannot be stuck. Sometimes our physical friends will say, I'm stuck. I've been in this place for a very long time, and I can't get out of it. I'm stuck. And we always explain that it's not possible to stand still or be stuck, because energy, and therefore life, is always in motion. Things are always changing. But the reason it may feel to you as if you are stuck is because while you're continuing to think the same thoughts, things are changing, but they're changing to the same thing over and over. If you want things to change to different things, you must think different thoughts, and that simply requires finding unfamiliar ways of approaching familiar subjects. Others cannot understand your desires or feelings. Others are often eager to guide you. There are endless people with endless opinions, rules, requirements, and suggestions for how you should live your life, but none of them are able to take into consideration the only thing that matters in achieving your desires. Others cannot understand the vibrational content of your desires, and they cannot understand the vibrational content of where you are, so they are not in any way equipped to guide you. Even when they have the very best of intentions and want your absolute well-being, they do not know. And even though many of them attempt to be unselfish, it is never possible for them to separate their desire for you from their own desire for themselves. No one else knows what is appropriate for you. When you remember that when anyone asks, it is always given, then can you not feel the perfection of an environment where each specific perspective gets to choose? Imagine that you will attend an Abraham Hicks Art of Allowing workshop. You know when and where it will be held, and you've made time in your schedule to attend, so with relative ease, you make all the decisions that are right for you. You look down the list of approximately 50 seminars that will be offered during the next year, and you pick a time and location that's most appealing to you. You notice that a seminar will be held in the city where you live, but the date conflicts with something else you had planned to do, so you look for an alternative. You then find a date that matches the time you do have open. You look for a seminar within that time frame, and you find one in the city that you've always wanted to visit. So you call Abraham Hicks Publications and purchase your seat for the seminar. Since you do not live in the seminar city, you realize that you will need room accommodations and some sort of transportation to the city. So taking into consideration your specific desires and needs, you make several plans. You decide to travel by air because of the time factor, and you choose a hotel a few blocks away from the seminar hotel because you're a member of their rewards program, and you can get a better rate by doing so. You also prefer the type of mattresses that particular hotel chain offers. Once you arrive at your seminar city, you rent a car from your favorite among the many car rental agencies. And on your way to the hotel, you stop at a restaurant that perfectly satisfies your cravings and fits perfectly into your price range. You've taken very good care of yourself. In fact, you have arranged a perfectly wonderful time. But what if Abraham Hicks Publications had decided that they, from their vast experience in offering seminars, were in a better position to make plans for you? So, based on what they've heard from the thousands who have attended their seminars, they've decided that they will make your arrangements. They assume, based on your address, that you would prefer to attend the seminar in your hometown. So that's the one they sign you up for.
But then you explain that you have a scheduling conflict, so they adjust their decision and send you a ticket for the seminar city you prefer. And in like manner, as they make their decisions about what is the best airline for you to take, the car rental agency you rent from, the hotel bed you sleep in, and the food you eat, their choices would fall far short of pleasing you. You are much better equipped to make those decisions for yourself. When you remember that everyone who asks is given, then how wonderful and appropriate it is for you to make the choices for you. For the universe operates much more efficiently without a middleman interceding on your behalf. No one else knows what is appropriate for you, but you do. You always know in the moment what is best for you. This is the end of CD number three. Chapter 20 Trying to hinder another's freedom always costs you your freedom. Yes, when you ask, it is always given. But you must be in vibrational harmony with what you're asking for before you can let it into your experience. The reason why so many people do not remember or believe that all that they're asking for is being answered is because they're not consciously aware of what they're doing vibrationally. They're not making the conscious connection between their thoughts, the subsequent feelings those thoughts evoke, and the manifestations that are occurring. And without that conscious connection, you cannot know where you are in relationship to that which you desire. When you know that you want something, and you notice you do not have it, you assume that there's something outside of yourself that's keeping it from you. But that is never true. The only thing that ever prevents your receiving something that you desire is that your habit of thought is different from your desire. Once you are aware of the power of your thoughts and of your ability to allow in the things that you desire, you then have creative control of your experience. But if you're predominantly focused upon the results of your focused thoughts rather than feeling your way within your thoughts, it's easy to lose your way. Every reality has been focused by someone into being. Sometimes people will argue, but Abraham, I'm only telling you what is. I'm only facing the reality of the situation. And we say that you were taught to face reality before you knew that you were creating reality. Do not face reality unless it's a reality you want to create, for any reality only exists because someone has focused it into being. Someone will say, but this is a true thing, and therefore it deserves my attention. And we say that you make whatever you give your attention to your truth. And so it is extremely beneficial for you to focus primarily on the way you feel while giving only scant attention to the manifestations as they are unfolding. For whenever you're giving your primary attention to things as they are, you're hindering the expansion of what is. All those statistics that are gathered about your own experiences and about others are only about how somebody has already flowed energy. They're not about any hard and fast now reality. Within your current society, there are many who gather the statistics of human experience. They spend lifetimes comparing experiences and categorizing them as appropriate or inappropriate, right or wrong. They weigh the pros and the cons and the pluses and the minuses of topic after topic, but they seldom realize that their vibrational offerings are not serving them. They have no sense of their own power because they're flowing their energy in opposing directions. Their lives have become more about labeling the behavior or experiences of those with whom they share their planet than about their own creating. And so they find themselves in a very uncomfortable position as they come to believe that their happiness or well-being depends upon the behavior of others. They point to people, behaviors, or beliefs and call them inappropriate, saying no to them, without realizing that they are including into their experience the vibration of the very thing they do not want. And so, without the knowledge of how it is that those unwanted things are making their way into their experience, they become increasingly guarded and fearful.
Unwanted things cannot jump into your experience uninvited. Freedom from the fear of unwanted experiences will never be achieved by trying to control the behavior or desires of others. Your freedom can only be allowed by adjusting your own vibrational point of attraction. Without the knowledge of the law of attraction, and without a conscious awareness of what you're doing with your own vibrational point of attraction, it's understandable why you would attempt to control the circumstances that surround you, but you cannot control the many circumstances that surround you. However, once you learn about the law of attraction, and once you are aware of the way your thoughts feel, you will never again feel fear about unwanted things jumping into your experience. You will understand that nothing can jump into your experience without your invitation. Since there is no assertion in this attraction-based universe, if you do not achieve vibrational harmony with it, it cannot come to you. And unless you do achieve vibrational harmony with it, it cannot come to you. Even the smallest among you, your babies, are offering vibrations that the universe is matching. And, like you, your little ones are influenced by the vibrations of those who surround them. But nevertheless, they are creating their own reality. Like you, they did not begin the creation of their life in this body once they were in it, but long before their physical birth they set into motion this life experience that they're now living. The greatest argument we hear from our physical friends who want to understand their relationship with the non-physical and how it is that they're here living and creating is, but how is it possible that this little baby, who has really learned very little about our physical world, could be held responsible for the creation of its own life? We want you to understand that this little one is very well prepared for its life in your environment because, like you, it was born with an emotional guidance system to help it find its way. These babies, like you, came romping joyously into your time-space reality, eager for the opportunity to continually make new decisions and to align with the energy of their source. Do not worry about them or about anyone. Well-being is the order of this universe no matter how your current vantage point may appear. Remember, your emotions are telling you everything you need to know about your connection to source energy. They're telling you how much source energy you're summoning in response to your focused desire. And they're also telling you if you are, in this moment of thought and emotion, in vibrational alignment with your desire. Was it your speed or was it the tree? If you were driving your vehicle at 100 miles per hour and you hit a tree, you would experience a very big crash. However, if you were to hit the same tree while your vehicle was traveling at just 5 miles per hour, the outcome would be considerably different. See the speed of your vehicle like the power of your desire. In other words, the more you want something or the longer you've been focusing upon your desire, the faster the energy moves. The tree, in our analogy, represents the resistance or the contradictory thoughts that may be present. It is not pleasant to run into trees, and it's also not pleasant to hold powerful desires in the midst of great resistance. Some try to remedy the imbalance by slowing down their vehicle. In other words, they deny their desire. They try to release it. And sometimes, with great effort, they are able to diffuse the power of their desire to some degree. But by far, the better remedy would be to reduce your level of resistance. Your desire is the natural result of the contrast in which you're focused. The entire universe exists to inspire the next new desire. And so, if you're trying to avoid your own desire, you're attempting to move contrary to universal forces. And even if you are able to suppress a desire here and there, more desires are continually evolving within you. For you have come forth into this body and into this wonderful contrasting environment with the clear intent of focusing the energy that creates worlds through the powerfully focused lens of your perspective. And so nothing in all of the universe is more natural than your continuing desire. Behind every desire is the desire to feel good. 
There is no desire that anyone holds for any other reason than that they believe they will feel better in the achievement of it. Whether it's a material object, a physical state of being, a relationship, a condition, or a circumstance, at the heart of every desire is the desire to feel good. And so the standard of success in life is not the things or the money. The standard of success is absolutely the amount of joy you feel. The basis of life is freedom, and the result of life is expansion, but the purpose of your life is joy. And that is why the main event has never been the manifestation. It has always been the way you feel in the moment. In other words, you intended to come into the physical realm of contrast to define what is wanted, to connect with the energy that creates worlds, and to flow it toward your objects of attention. Not because the objects of attention are important, but because the act of flowing energy is essential to life. In your appreciation, you offer no resistance. Remember, you are an extension of source energy, and when you're allowing your full connection to your source, you feel good. And to the degree that you disallow your connection, you feel less good. You are pure, positive energy. You are love. You expect good things. You respect and love yourself. You respect and love others. And you are a natural-born appreciator. Appreciation and self-love are the most important aspects you could ever nurture. Appreciation of others and the appreciation of yourself are the closest vibrational matches to source energy of anything we have ever witnessed anywhere in this universe. Whenever you are focused upon something you appreciate, since that current choice of thought is so similar to who you really are as source energy, there is no contradiction in your energy. You are, in your moment of appreciation, offering no resistance to who you are, so your resulting emotional indication is one of love, joy, or the feeling of appreciation. You feel very good. But if you criticize someone, or even find fault with yourself, your resulting feeling would not feel good, because the vibration of this thought of criticism is so very different from that of your source. In other words, because you've chosen a thought that does not match who you really are, you can, in this moment, feel the discord of your choice through your emotions. If your grandmother, who adores and appreciates you, tells you how wonderful you are, the reason those words feel so good is because they cause you to focus in a way that connects you with who you really are. But if a teacher or an acquaintance chastises you for some action you've offered, you feel bad because you have now been influenced to a thought that does not match who you really are. Your emotions let you know in every moment whether you're allowing your connection to who you are or not. When you allow your connection, you thrive. When you do not allow your connection, you do not thrive. You must be selfish enough to align with well-being. Now, occasionally, someone will accuse us of teaching selfishness, and we agree. Indeed, we do teach selfishness, for if you are not selfish enough to deliberately align with the energy of your source, you have nothing to give anyway. Some worry, if I selfishly achieve what I want, wouldn't I be unfairly taking it from others? But that concern is based on the misconception that there is a limit of available abundance. They worry that if they take too much of the pie, others will be left with nothing, while in reality, the pie expands in proportion to the vibrational request of all of you. You never say, I feel guilty about the abundance of good health that I've been living, so I've decided that I'll be sick for the next couple of years in order to allow someone who has been sick the opportunity to use my portion of wellness for himself. For you understand that by your being well, you are in no way depriving another of the experience of wellness. There are some who fear that a selfish person may deliberately intend to harm another, but it's not possible for someone who is connected to source energy to wish harm upon another, for those vibrations are not compatible. Some say, I saw a picture of a mass murderer and he looked gleeful. He showed no remorse at all. He said he enjoyed what he did. But you have no way of accurately accessing what he's feeling. 
You experience your own emotions because of the relationship between your desire and your current state of thought about this subject, but you have no way of accurately feeling his emotions. It's our absolute promise to you that no one connected to source energy would ever cause harm to another. They lash out in their defensiveness or, or in their disconnectedness, but never from their state of connection. You must understand that the ultimate act of selfishness is to connect with self. And when you do that, you are pure positive energy focused in this physical body. If everyone on your planet were connected to their own source energy, there would be no assaults, for there would be no jealousy, insecurity, or uncomfortable feelings of competition. If everyone understood the power of their own being, they would not seek to control others. Any feelings of insecurity and hatred are born from your disconnection with who you are. Your selfish connection with well-being would bring only well-being. And, most important, we want you to understand that it is not necessary for everyone else, or anyone else for that matter, to understand what you're learning here in order for you to live a wonderful experience. Once you remember who you are, and once you deliberately reach for thoughts that hold you in vibrational alignment with who you are, your world will also fall into alignment, and well-being will show itself to you in all areas of your life experience. If you're not expecting it, you're not allowing it. Remember, each emotion indicates how much energy you're summoning because of your desire and how much of that summoned desire you're allowing because of the predominant thoughts and beliefs that you currently hold relative to that desire. If you're feeling strong emotion, whether positive or negative, that means that your desire is powerfully focused and you are summoning a great deal of source energy towards your desire. When your strong emotions feel bad, like depression, fear, or anger, that means you're offering resistance to your desire. When your strong emotions feel good, like passion, enthusiasm, expectation, or love, that means you're offering no resistance to your desire, so the source energy that you've summoned through your desire is not being challenged vibrationally by you, and you are currently allowing the unfolding of your desire. So it seems obvious that the perfect creative situation is to really, really want something that you truly believe is possible. And when that combination of desire and belief is present within you, things will quickly and easily unfold in your experience. But when you want something that you do not believe is possible, when you hold a desire for something that you do not expect, although a strong enough desire can override a weaker belief, it does not unfold easily, for you are not allowing it into your current experience. The feeling of a pure desire feels good to you. Unfortunately, many people think that the uncomfortable feeling of wanting something they do not expect to experience is what the feeling of desire is. They no longer recognize the feeling of pure desire as that fresh, eager feeling of expectancy that they knew when they were younger. The feeling of pure desire is always delicious, as it represents the vibrations that are stretched out before you into your unseen future, preparing the way for the law of attraction to match things up on your behalf. The value in recognizing your emotions and then consciously working to offer thoughts in order to deliberately produce better feeling emotions is truly what deliberate creation is. It's also what the art of allowing is all about. Why would you want to be over there? Sometimes a person will say, I'm not happy over here where I'm standing. I would much rather be over there, over there where my body is not sick, or over there where I'm not overweight, or over there where I have more money, or, or a better relationship. And we ask, why would you like to be over there? Often the reply is, because I'm not happy over here where I'm standing. We then explain that it's important to talk about what is believed to be over there, and to try to find the feeling place of what's over there. For as long as someone is talking about and feeling what's over here, it's not possible for them to get over there. If you have been accustomed to thinking and speaking about where you are currently standing, it's not an easy thing to suddenly shift your vibrations and to now begin thinking and feeling something that's very different. In fact, 
The law of attraction says that you do not have access to thoughts and feelings that are very far from where you have recently been vibrating. But with some effort, you could find other thoughts. With a determination to feel better, you could change the subject and therefore find other thoughts with better feeling vibrations. But vibrational shifting is usually a gradual process. In fact, a continual attempt, in defiance of the law of attraction, of trying to jump vibrational ranges is a major factor in the feelings of discouragement that eventually cause people to conclude that they really do not have control of their own life experience. Chapter 21. You are only 17 seconds away from 68 seconds to fulfillment. With only a few seconds of focusing your attention on a subject, you activate the vibration of that subject within you and immediately the law of attraction begins to respond to that activation. The longer you keep your attention focused on something, the easier it becomes for you to continue to focus upon it because you're attracting, through the law of attraction, other thoughts or vibrations that are the essence of the thought you began with. Within 17 seconds of focusing on something, a matching vibration becomes activated. And now, as that focus becomes stronger and the vibration becomes clearer, the law of attraction will bring you more thoughts that match. At this point, the vibration will not have much attraction power. But if you maintain your focus longer, the power of the vibration will become further reaching. And if you manage to stay purely focused upon any thought for as little as 68 seconds, the vibration is powerful enough that its manifestation begins. When you repeatedly return to a pure thought, maintaining it for at least 68 seconds, in a short period of time, hours in some cases, or a few days in others, that thought becomes a dominant thought. And once you achieve a dominant thought, you will experience matching manifestations until you change it. Remember that the thoughts you think equal your point of attraction. You get what you think about, whether you want it or not. Your thoughts equal vibration, and that vibration is then answered by the law of attraction. As your vibration expands and becomes more powerful, it eventually becomes powerful enough for manifestation to occur. In other words, what you think, and therefore feel, and what manifests in your experience is always a vibrational match. Your uncontrolled thoughts are not to be feared. Once the law of attraction is understood and accepted, which usually does not take long since there's not a shred of evidence anywhere in your environment to refute it, many people become initially uncomfortable with their own thoughts. Once they understand the power of the law of attraction and they begin to examine the content of their own mind, they sometimes worry about the potential of what they may now be attracting through their uncontrolled thoughts. But there's no reason to worry about your thoughts, for they're not like a loaded gun that may wreak powerful and instantaneous destruction. For although the law of attraction is powerful, the basis of your experience is that of well-being. And even though your thoughts are magnetic and expand with your attention, you have plenty of time, as soon as you become aware of any negative feelings, to begin to choose other less resistant thoughts and thereby choose a more desired outcome. Remember, you can allow it or resist it in varying degrees, but the stream of well-being always flows. So even a small effort made toward choosing a better-feeling thought will net you obvious results. And once you've taken that step and you do find that better-feeling thought, you have given yourself the conscious freedom to go from wherever you are on any topic to anywhere you want to be. Once you deliberately choose a thought and consciously feel the improvement in the way you feel, you have successfully utilized your own guidance system, and you can now be on your way to the freedom that you desire and deserve, for there is nothing that you cannot be, do, or have. Chapter 22. The Different Degrees of Your Emotional Guidance Scale 
You might say that different emotions have different vibrational frequencies, but a more accurate way of saying it would be, your emotions are indicators of your vibrational frequency. When you remember that your emotions indicate your degree of alignment with source energy and that the better you feel, the more you're allowing your alignment with the things you desire, then it's easier to understand how to respond to your emotions. Absolute alignment with your own source energy means that you know the following. You are free. You are powerful. You are good. You are love. You have value. You have purpose. And all is well. At any time that you're thinking thoughts that cause you to know your true nature, you're in alignment with who you really are, for this is a state of absolute alignment. And the way those thoughts feel is the ultimate emotion of connection. When you think in terms of a fuel gauge on a vehicle, this state of alignment would be the same as a full tank. In other words, imagine a gauge or scale with gradations or degrees which indicate the position of the fullest allowance of your connection with your source energy all the way to your emptiest or most resistant disallowance of your alignment with your source energy. The scale of your emotions would look something like this. One, joy, knowledge, empowerment, freedom, love, appreciation. Two, passion. Three, enthusiasm, eagerness, happiness. Four, positive expectation, belief. Five, optimism. Six, hopefulness. Seven, contentment. Eight, boredom. Nine, pessimism. Ten, frustration, irritation, impatience. Eleven, overwhelmment. Twelve, disappointment. Thirteen, doubt. Fourteen, worry. Fifteen, blame. 16, discouragement, 17, anger, 18, revenge, 19, hatred, rage, 20, jealousy, 21, insecurity, guilt, unworthiness, 22, fear, grief, depression, despair, powerlessness. Since the same words are often used to mean different things, and different words are often used to mean the same things, these word labels for your emotions are not absolutely accurate for every person who feels the emotion. In fact, giving word labels to the emotions could cause confusion and distract you from the real purpose of your emotional guidance scale. The thing that matters most is that you consciously reach for a feeling that is improved. The word for the feeling is not important. An example of consciously moving up your emotional guidance scale. So, something has happened in your experience that makes you feel terrible. Nothing sounds good. Nothing feels good. It seems as if you're suffocating, and each thought is equally painful. The best word to describe your nearly constant state of emotion is one of depression. If you could throw yourself into taking some action, you might feel better. If you could put what is bothering you out of your mind altogether and focus upon your work, you could feel better. There are many thoughts that you could entertain that could free you from your depression. However, vibrationally, you do not have access to most of them right now. But if your intention is to find a thought, any thought that feels better, and you're consciously aware of how that thought feels, you can begin to move up the emotional guidance scale immediately. It's really a process of thinking a thought, any thought, and then consciously evaluating whether the new thought gives you any feeling of relief from where you were before that thought. So, you think and feel and think and feel with one intention only to feel even the slightest bit of relief. Let us say that someone has said something that made you angry or someone did not keep their word, and as you focus upon this angry topic, you notice that you do feel some relief from your depression. In other words, in the midst of this angry thought, you're no longer having any trouble breathing. The feeling of claustrophobia has lifted, and you do feel slightly better. 
Now, here's the crucial step in effectively utilizing your emotional guidance system. Stop and consciously acknowledge that your chosen thought of anger does feel better than the suffocating depression that it replaced. And in the conscious recognition of your improved vibration, your feeling of powerlessness softens and you are now on your way up your emotional guidance scale, back into full connection with who you really are. Why would anyone want to discourage my better feeling anger? Often, from a very resistant vibration such as depression or fear, you will have already instinctively, even unconsciously, discovered the pain-relieving thought of anger. But there are so many who have convinced you that your anger is inappropriate, but of course they are not inside of you so they cannot feel the improvement that the angry thought really is, that they often counsel you against your anger only to leave you back in your former state of depression. But when you consciously know that you've chosen an angry thought and that it has brought you relief, then you can consciously know that you can move from the angry thought to a less resistant one, such as frustration, and then up the emotional scale you go right back into your full alignment. Why your slightest improvement is of such great value. When you're consciously aware of where you are, and you also know where you would like to be, and you have a means of understanding whether or not you're pointed in the direction of where you want to be, then nothing can keep you there. The seeming lack of control of your life experience is mostly because you do not realize in which direction you're headed. Without a conscious realization of your own emotions and what they mean, you often move away from where you really want to be. There are many words that are used to describe emotions, but there are really only two emotions. One feels good and one feels bad. And every incremental place along the emotional scale only indicates degrees of the allowance of the powerful, pure, positive source energy. The fullest state of connection, which feels like joy, love, appreciation, freedom, or knowledge, is really speaking to your own feeling of self-empowerment. And the fullest state of disconnection, which feels like despair, grief, fear, or depression, is really speaking to your own feeling of disempowerment. There's tremendous value when you're able to deliberately cause even the slightest improvement in the way you feel. For even in that small emotional improvement, you may have regained a measure of control. And even though you may not have fully exercised your control to bring yourself entirely back into full connection with your full power, you no longer feel powerless. And so, your trek back up the emotional scale is now not only possible, but it is relatively easy. Only you know if choosing anger is appropriate for you. If a severely depressed person could consciously discover the relief of an angry thought and, more important, could consciously recognize that he has deliberately chosen the angry thought, he would immediately regain a sense of his own power and his depression would lift. Now, of course, it is important that he does not remain in this place of anger, but from that angry place he now has access to the relieving thoughts of frustration. There are many who do not yet understand the vibrational content of emotions, or even what an emotion is or its reason for being, who counsel with great forcefulness against the projection of anger. For most people do not enjoy being in the presence of someone who is angry, and most would selfishly prefer that the angry person return to their former state of powerless depression, because their depression is usually turned inward, while their anger is often thrust outward toward whoever is nearby. Someone outside of you does not know if your chosen thought of anger is an improvement for you. Only you know, by the relief that you feel, the appropriateness of any thought. Until you decide that you're going to guide yourself by the way you feel, you can make no steady progress toward your own desires. I'm doing my best to make the best of it. Those who are watching you might feel better if they understood that you have no intention of remaining in your state of anger. If they knew that your greater plan is to move through your anger and then through frustration, through overwhelmment to optimism, to belief and onward to your knowing that all is well, they might be more patient with where you are right now. 
There are many people who just naturally move from the powerless feeling of depression or fear into anger as a sort of self-surviving mechanism, but when they're met with so much disapproval from family members, friends, and counselors with respect to the inappropriateness of their anger, they return to the feeling of powerlessness, only to repeat the cycle again and again from depression to anger to depression to anger to depression to anger. The key to regaining your wonderful feeling of personal empowerment and control is to decide right now, no matter how good or bad you are feeling, that you're going to do your best to make the best of it. Reach for the best feeling thought that you have access to right now, and as you do that again and again, in a short period of time, you'll find yourself in a very good feeling place. That is just the way it works. If I can get there emotionally, I can get anywhere. Right now, I'm going to find the best feeling thought I can. I'm going to reach for more relief, more relief, more relief. Remember, rage gives you a feeling of relief from depression, grief, despair, fear, guilt, or powerlessness. Revenge gives you a feeling of relief from rage. Anger gives you a feeling of relief from revenge. Blame gives you a feeling of relief from anger. Overwhelmment gives you a feeling of relief from blame. Irritation gives you a feeling of relief from overwhelmment. Pessimism gives you a feeling of relief from irritation. Hopefulness gives you a feeling of relief from pessimism. Optimism gives you a feeling of relief from hopefulness. Positive expectation gives you a feeling of relief from optimism. And joy gives you a feeling of relief from positive expectation. In time and with practice, you'll become very adept at understanding what your emotional guidance system is telling you. Once you make a determined decision to continually reach for the relief that an improved emotion brings, you will find yourself feeling good most of the time and allowing into your experience all the things that you desire. Attention to how you are feeling is necessary in order to understand everything that's happening to you. How you feel and the feeling of relief that you discover as you reach for better feeling thoughts is your only true measurement of what you are attracting into your experience. But what about those who desire not to desire? We would describe the sensation of desire as the delicious awareness of new possibilities. Desire is a fresh, free feeling of anticipating wonderful expansion. The feeling of desire is truly the feeling of life flowing through you. But many people, while they're using the word desire, feel something quite different. Desire for them often feels like yearning, for while they're focused upon something they want to experience or have, they're equally aware of its absence. And so, while they're using words of desire, they're offering a vibration of lack. They come to think that the feeling of desire is like wanting something they do not have, but there is no feeling of lack in pure desire. So if you will keep in mind that whenever you ask, it is always given, then each of your desires will now be pure, non-resisted desire. Many people desire things that they're not currently living fully, and in some cases they've desired them for a long period of time. And so they think about the thing they desire, and then they think about not having it. In time, they come to believe that the way they feel, as they think about what they want, and realize they do not have it, but cannot figure out how to get it, is the way desire feels. But they're not in a state of pure desire. They're in a state of resisted desire. Often their vibration is more about the absence or lack of what they want than it is about what they want. Without even realizing what they're doing, they're holding themselves vibrationally apart from their own desires. So in time, they come to believe that this sluggish, unfulfilled feeling of not getting what they want is really what desire feels like. There have been some who have said to us, Abraham, I've been taught that it's not appropriate for me to have any desires. 
I've been taught that the state of desire will keep me from being the spiritual being that I'm supposed to be and that my state of happiness depends on my ability to release all desires. We reply, but is not your state of happiness or your state of spirituality a desire? We're not here to guide you toward or away from any desire. It is our work to help you understand that you are the creator of your own experience and that your desires will naturally be born from your experience in this environment, in this body. It is our desire to assist you in coming into perfect alignment with Source so that you can then achieve the creation of your desires. We understand why some would suggest that if you would release your desire you would feel better because the negative emotion that you're feeling is due to the vibrational difference between your current vibration and the vibration of your desire. But releasing desire is the hard way to go about bringing yourself into alignment because the entire universe is poised to help you give birth to yet another new desire. So, a much easier way to come into alignment with your source, and therefore to feel better, is to work on releasing your resistance. Does your desire feel like the next logical step? Your ability to imagine will help the next logical steps come to you faster. You can work the bugs out of it in your imagination. You do not have to build little things and bigger things. You can do it all in your mind. We're not talking about the next logical action step. We're talking about using your imagination until your big dream feels so familiar that the manifestation is the next logical step. For example, a mother and her adult daughter were contemplating purchasing a lovely house in a beautiful area and creating a wonderful bed and breakfast facility. The daughter said to her mother, If only we could find a way to make this happen. It would make me happy for the rest of my life. If this could happen, it would make up for all those things that I wanted that didn't come to pass. We explained that the vibration of her desire was not yet in the pure place that it needed to be in order to allow this experience to manifest. When your desire feels so big that it feels unreachable, it is not on the verge of manifestation. When your desire feels to you like it is the next logical step, then it's on the verge of manifestation. Once you feel in control, you will enjoy it all. You can tell by the way you feel whether your vibration is in the place where you're allowing universal forces to deliver your desire to you now or not. With practice you will know whether you're on the brink of a manifestation or whether it's still in the becoming stages. But most important, once you are in control of the way you feel, you will enjoy it all. You will enjoy your exposure to the variety and contrast that helps you identify your desire, and you will enjoy the sensation of your own desire, which is being launched from your own valuable perspective and is flowing from you. You will enjoy the sensation of your conscious awareness when you're not a vibrational match to your own desire, and you will enjoy the sensation of deliberately bringing yourself back into vibrational alignment with your desire. You will feel relief as doubts slip away and as the secure feelings of well-being replace them. You will enjoy sensing things that are about to happen. You will enjoy seeing things beginning to fall into place, and you will adore witnessing the manifestations of your desires. You will revel in the conscious awareness that you have deliberately molded your desires into being in as real a way as if you had created a statue with the clay in your own hands. You will adore the sensations that you feel as you align again and again with the fruits of your own experience. The entire universe exists to produce new life-giving desire within you, and when you go with the flow of your own desires, you will feel truly alive and you will truly live. Introducing 22 Proven Processes That Will Help You Improve Your Point of Attraction So, now that you've made it this far into the book, you've been reminded of many things that you've always known. You now remember that you are an extension of source energy and that you've come into your physical body, into this leading edge, time-space reality, for the purpose of joyously taking thought beyond that which it has been before. 
You now remember that you have a guidance system within you that helps you know in every moment how much of your connection to that which is your source you are right now allowing. You now remember that the better you feel, the more you are in alignment with who you really are, and the worse you feel, the more you're disallowing that important connection. You now remember that there is nothing that you cannot be, do, or have. And you remember that if your dominant intention is to feel good, and that if you try to make the best of where you are, you must reach your natural state of joy. You now remember that you are free. In fact, you are so free that you could choose bondage, and that everything that comes to you is in response to the thoughts you are thinking. You now remember that whether you're thinking about your past, present, or future, you're offering a vibration that equals your point of attraction. You now remember that the law of attraction is always fair, and there is no injustice, for whatever is coming to you is doing so in response to the vibrations that you're offering due to the thoughts you're thinking. And most important, you now remember that well-being is the basis of your world, and that unless you're doing something that's disallowing it, then well-being is your experience. You may allow it or resist it, but only a stream of wellness, abundance, clarity, and all good things that you desire flows. And you now remember that there is no dark switch, there's no source of evil or source of sickness or of lack. You may allow or you may resist well-being, but everything that happens to you is all you're doing. Is there something I want to improve? If your current life is pleasing you in every way, then you may have no reason to read further. However, if there's something about your life that you wish to improve, perhaps something missing you would like to include or something unwanted that you would like to release, the following processes will be of immense value to you. Your habit of resistant thought is the only thing that ever keeps you from allowing the things you desire. And although you certainly did not intentionally develop these resistant patterns of thought, you did pick them up along your physical trail bit by bit and experience by experience. But one thing is very clear. If you do not do something that causes a different vibrational offering, then nothing in your experience can change. The processes on the following pages have been designed to help you gradually release any patterns of resistance. And in the same way that you did not develop your resistant patterns all at once, you will not release them all at once, but you will release them. Process by process, game by game, we use the word game interchangeably with process, and day by day, you will gradually but steadily return to being a person who allows your own natural well-being to flow to you. Those who observe you will be amazed at the things they begin to see happening in your experience and at the joy that you will obviously be radiating. And you will explain with the confidence and certainty that you were born with, I have found a way to allow the well-being to flow that is natural to me. I have learned to practice the art of allowing. A suggestion for utilizing these processes. So, it is with tremendous enthusiasm and powerful expectation that we offer the processes that will follow shortly. When you have time, we encourage you to read through each process without actually performing the action that is suggested. As you read through the processes, if they hold any immediate value for you, you'll feel a strong impulse to perform them. You might earmark those that you feel enthusiasm toward. Then, when you have the time to perform the processes, begin with the one for which you felt the most enthusiasm. This is the best place for you to start. Actually, you could choose any process at random, perform it, and receive noticeable benefits from it. For every process in this book will assist you in releasing resistance and raising your vibration. However, the power of your desire and the degree of your current resistance does make certain processes of greater value to you right now than others. 
As you read through these processes and the examples of applications that are provided, you may recognize that something similar is happening in your own life. So you may benefit from applying the same process. However, because your own life offers a broad spectrum of experiences as well as a broad spectrum of emotions, there are no hard and fast rules about which specific process is best for you to apply to which specific experience right now. Let us remove the trees from our path. Some of the processes will assist you in focusing your desire more clearly, causing your point of attraction to be stronger. But if, for whatever reason, you're in the midst of offering a great deal of resistance, then a process that would cause you to summon even more energy could actually be counterproductive to you. Earlier, we gave you the example of driving your vehicle at 100 miles per hour and hitting a tree, which is a much bigger problem than driving your vehicle at 5 miles an hour and hitting a tree. Now, in our analogy, the speed of your vehicle equals the creative energy that you're summoning because of your desire, and the tree equals your contradictory thoughts or resistance. Often, people conclude that the only option that makes sense is to slow the vehicle down, but we are teachers who encourage removing the trees from your path. The processes we present in this book are designed to help you remove the resistance from your path, for there is nothing more delicious than moving at the speed of life that you're accustomed to with no trees in the way. Let your emotions be your guide. You are, without exception, experiencing emotional responses to your life experience, and these emotions are your key to knowing which processes would be best for you to utilize right now. Generally speaking, the better you feel, the more the lower numbered of processes will be of benefit for you, and the worse you feel, the more the higher numbered processes will be of benefit. The most important thing for you to acknowledge before you apply any of these processes is how you're feeling right now and how you would like to feel. At the beginning of each process, we have indicated an emotional range that we suggest for each one. Any of the processes that fall within the emotional range that you believe you're feeling right now is a perfect place to begin. Let us begin by improving the way we feel. Some of the processes are oriented towards specific life experiences, such as increasing your financial or physical well-being, but the majority of these processes can be successfully applied to any situation. It is our absolute promise to you that your life will improve with the application of these processes, for you cannot apply the process without improving the way you feel, and you cannot improve the way you feel without releasing resistance and thereby improving your point of attraction. And when you improve your point of attraction, the law of attraction must bring you circumstances, events, relationships, experiences, sensations, and powerful evidence of your shift in vibration. It is law. Some of these processes will become your favorites. Some you will want to utilize every day. Some you may never use. Some you may use at first and then no longer find necessary. And some you will resurrect when special circumstances arise. It is our desire that you comfortably begin to utilize these processes, for it is our knowing that they will positively change your life experience. From our perspective, they've been designed for the powerful reason of helping you realign with the energy that is really you. And in that process, you'll return to your natural joy. Oh, and yes, there will be the added side benefit of helping you achieve anything you've ever desired. Have you put a happy face on it? Your emotions are essential to your conscious control of your own experience, and of course, they're essential to your maintenance of a happy life experience. In the same way that you would not deaden your fingertips to desensitize them to heat, or put a happy face sticker on the dashboard of your vehicle to cover your fuel gauge indicator because you do not like seeing that you're out of fuel, 
you would not want to mask your own feelings, pretending to feel different from how you really feel. For pretending in this way does nothing to change your vibrational point of attraction. The only way you can do so is to change your vibrational offering. And when you do change your vibrational offering, the way you feel changes too. Focusing energy to change your vibrational offering. When you remember an incident from a past experience, you are focusing energy. When you're imagining something that may occur in your future, you are focusing energy. And of course, when you're observing something in your now, you are focusing energy. It makes no difference whether you're focusing on the past, present, or future, you're still focusing energy. And your point of attention, or focus, is causing you to offer a vibration that is your point of attraction. When you spend time pondering, remembering, or imagining something, a vibration is activated within you. If you return to that thought, you again activate the vibration. The more often you revisit the thought, the more familiar the vibration becomes, and the easier it is for you to activate it until eventually it becomes a dominant vibrational pattern within you. And as it plays a larger role in your vibrational pattern, things that match it begin to show up in your experience. And so... There are two surefire ways to understand what your vibrational offering is. Notice what's happening in your experience, for what you're focused upon and what's manifesting are always a vibrational match. And notice how you feel, because your emotions are giving you constant feedback about your vibrational offering and your point of attraction. You must be consciously aware to be a deliberate creator. We think it's a wonderful thing when you begin to make the correlation between what you've been thinking and feeling and what is manifesting. For in that conscious awareness, you're then able to deliberately modify your thoughts in order to attract something that's even more pleasing. But the most satisfying aspect of deliberate creation comes from being sensitive to the way the thoughts you are thinking feel. For then, it is possible to modify a bad-feeling thought to one that feels better and to thereby improve your point of attraction before something unwanted manifests. It is far easier, before an unwanted physical manifestation appears, to deliberately change the direction of your thought to something that feels better. You will come to understand that deliberate creation is about deliberately guiding your thoughts in good-feeling directions. You'll feel the satisfaction of deliberately choosing a good-feeling thought, and then you will enjoy observing the good-feeling manifestation that must follow. There's even some satisfaction to be found in recognizing the not-so-good-feeling thought and then observing the not-so-good manifestation that must follow. For now, your conscious awareness of the powerful law of attraction will give you the feeling of control. Without making the correlation between your thoughts and feelings and the manifestations that are occurring, you will have no conscious control of what happens in your experience. There is always another uncontrollable circumstance when trying to control others. Most people offer the majority of their thought vibrations in response to something they're observing. When they observe something wonderful, they feel wonderful. When they observe something awful, they feel awful. But they believe they have no control over how they feel because they realize they cannot control the circumstances that they have observed. Many people spend the majority of their lives attempting to control circumstances because they believe that in the controlling of the circumstances they'll feel better. But no matter how much control they gain over the actions of others, it's never enough because there is always another uncontrollable circumstance. You have no creative power within the lives of others for they are offering their own vibrations which equal their own point of attraction, just as you are offering your own vibrations which equal your own point of attraction. Deliberate creation is about choosing better feeling thoughts. Many say, 
Once that condition changes, I'll feel better. When I have more money or move into a better house or find a better job or a better mate, then I'll feel better. We do not disagree that it does feel better to observe something that's pleasing than something that is not, but that is going about it in a very backwards way. Deliberate creation is not about the condition changing and then you're finding a better feeling in response to the change condition. Deliberate creation is about choosing a thought that feels good when you choose it, which then causes the condition to change. For example, unconditional love is really about wanting so much to remain in connection with your source of love that you deliberately choose thoughts that allow your connection no matter what manifestations may be happening nearby. And when you're able to control your point of attraction by deliberately choosing better feeling thoughts, the conditions that surround you have to change. The law of attraction says that they must. You can only attract thoughts within your vibrational range. Some say, all this stuff about deliberate creation sounds simple enough, but why am I having so much difficulty doing it? Why do I have such a hard time controlling my thoughts? It feels like my thoughts are in charge. It feels like my thoughts are thinking themselves. Well, remember that the law of attraction is a powerful law and that it is not possible for you to find and hold a thought if your current vibrational set point is very different from that thought. You only have access to thoughts whose vibrations are somewhere in your current vibrational range. Have you ever had the experience of enjoying a piece of music and then later hearing the same music, but this time not enjoying it at all? At one listening, you were smiling, maybe even moving to the music, but at another listening, you found the piece irritating and annoying. What you're noticing is your vibrational alignment with the music. In other words, at your time of closer alignment with who you really are, the music blends with your good feeling. But when you're not in alignment with who you really are, the music only points out to you the difference between the vibration of well-being, which is who you really are, and your resistant vibration of this moment. There are those times when friends can prod or tease you into a better feeling thought, but at other times, their prodding or teasing just makes you feel worse. Any success they may have had in helping you feel better has been, for the most part, about how far out of alignment you already were. Because while it is easy to make small vibrational jumps, it is difficult or even impossible to make large ones. The purpose of these processes is to release your resistance. You will find in the pages that follow processes that are being offered to assist you in gradually improving your vibrational point of attraction. Your current vibrational state of being is one that varies from person to person and from time to time. So you'll know only by the way you feel as you experience the process whether it's the appropriate process for you right now. Through observing, remembering, pondering, and discussing, you've practiced thoughts that have become more powerful thoughts or beliefs which now dominate your point of attraction. And each thought you consider or focus upon causes you to feel an emotional response. And so, over time, you've come to feel certain ways about certain things. We call that your emotional set point. The following processes are numbered 1 through 22. The closer you are right now to vibrational alignment with your own source of well-being, the more effective the lower numbered techniques will be in helping you to fully realign. The further you are right now from your vibrational alignment with source, the higher the number of processes will have to be in order to bring you back into alignment. Now, you may be one who is usually so close to alignment with your own source of well-being that you will rarely utilize one of these processes that has passed the number of process 12. But there may be some special circumstances that could cause your vibration to dip further out of your usual range of connection. And if so, then you may benefit from one of the higher numbered processes. But that would be an exception for you. Deliberately creating change in your current emotional set point. 
On the other hand, you may be one who cannot remember the last time you felt good about anything. Through the circumstances of your life that you've been observing, you may have developed a set point that holds you consistently out of range of your connection to well-being, so you may discover no relief at all with the first five or six processes. And you may find only slight relief if you even begin with the last processes we have offered here. But the most important thing we want you to realize is that it does not matter how good you feel or how fast you feel it. The only thing that matters is that you consciously discover some relief, no matter how slight it is, and that you understand that your relief has come in response to some deliberate effort that you've offered. For when you're able to find relief, then you have regained creative control of your own experience, and then you're on your way to wherever you desire to go. Remember, the purpose of each process is to raise your vibrational frequency. Another way of saying that is, the purpose of each process is to release your resistance. Or, the purpose of the process is to find the relief from resistance. Or, the purpose of this process is an improved feeling. Or, the purpose of this process is to improve my emotional set point. If, after a few minutes with a process, you do not feel as good or better than when you begin, simply discontinue it and choose another with a higher number. Lighten up now and have fun with all this. We use the words process or technique or game interchangeably because while these are powerful processes that will assist you in achieving anything that you desire, if you'll take a playful approach to them, you will hold far less resistance than if you see them as tools to fix something that's broken. The key to the success that you'll find in these processes actually hinges upon your ability to release resistance, and the more playful you are, the less resistance you hold. A deliberate utilization of these processes will help you move your emotional set point and therefore change your point of attraction. You will begin to observe immediate improvement, even on your first day of the application of these games. And with more practice, you will improve your point of attraction on every subject of your life. You are, in this moment, the creator of your reality. You are the creator of your own experience, whether you know that you are or not. Your life experience is unfolding in precise response to the vibrations that radiate as a result of your thoughts, whether you know that it is or not. The processes that we offer here will help you transform yourself from one who may be creating your own reality unwittingly or by default to someone who is the deliberate creator of your own reality. Your utilization of these processes is going to give you precise control of every aspect of your own life experience. It is with tremendous love and enthusiasm that we offer these life-changing processes to you. There is great love here for you. This concludes the reading of the book, Ask and It is Given, Part 1. Before we say goodbye, I would like to ask Esther to relax and let Abraham come in and speak a few last words to you. We are Abraham. And it is our desire that this book has brought you to a place of understanding that you can bring yourself back into your full empowerment. And there is one last thing that we would like to say to you as you are coming to the end of this wonderful book. We want you to be easy about all of this. You tend to take life so seriously. Life is supposed to be fun, you know. As we watch you in the creation of your life, and we do, we feel only love for you and appreciation for all that you are. You are leading edge creators. 
sifting through this wonderful contrast of this leading-edge environment, coming to new conclusions that summon the life force forward. There are not adequate words to explain the value of that which you are. It is our powerful desire that you return to your state of self-appreciation. We want you to feel love for your life, for the people of your world, and most of all, for yourself. There is great love here for you. And for now, we are complete. All recorded and printed Abraham Hicks materials are copyrighted by Jerry and Esther Hicks, and any unauthorized duplication of these materials is strictly prohibited. Our primary intent with this work is to connect with those who are attracting this information, and Esther and I are most appreciative of the role of your intentions in this joyous co-creative experience. For additional tapes, CDs, books, videos, catalogs, or to reserve your space at an Abraham Hicks Art of Allowing workshop, please call 755-2299, area code 830, or write to Abraham Hicks Publications at Post Office Box 690-070, San Antonio, Texas, and the zip code is 78269. Also, for an immediate overview of our works, visit our interactive website at www.abraham-hicks.com. That's www.abraham-hicks.com.